It's time for Twig This Week in Google. Yes, another three-hour marathon. But, of course, we're going to talk when we get Glenn Fleischman here from Glenn.Fun and Macworld Magazine. We've got Jeff Jarvis from the City University of New York, Aunt Pruitt from Hands-On Photography. Uh, Stacy's on assignment at CES. She'll join us Sunday on Twit. Uh, get ready, everybody. Fasten your seatbelts. You might want to go to the bathroom before the show begins. Twig is next. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This is Twig. This week in Google, episode 697, recorded Wednesday, January 4th, 2023. Don't track me, bro. Thanks for listening to this show as an ad-supported network. We are always looking for new partners with products and services that will benefit our qualified audience. Are you ready to grow your business? Reach out to advertise at twit.tv and launch your campaign now. It's time for Twig This Week in Google for a show of 2023. Uh, I am back from the tropics. I bought this hat on the beach. You like it? Uh, join it. Stacy's not here. She's at CES, but Glenn it's Fleischman. because of that hat. She knew you'd be wearing that hat. She said, I'm not going to be associated with it. I'm going to be nowhere near it. Glenn Fleischman is filling in. Yay. It's great to see you, Glenn, from Glenn.fun. Jeopardy this, champion. Wore this shirt in honor of Ant being on as well. Should hope so. uh, It's got a camera. It's got box cameras on it. It's, uh, Lots of cameras. Very cool. Very cool. Favorite gift of 2022. Ant. Oh, you got it. You got it for Christmas. How nice. Uh, my birthday. I've been wearing it for months. Oh, okay. Aunt Pruitt is also here. He's our favorite gift of every year. Hands-on photography, <laughs> community manager at uh, Twit's Discord, and the club. Maybe, sir, you had a lot of uh, a lot of uh, help questions over the holidays. I think. Thank you for doing. I, that. I yeah, I saw that, um, but we were off. <laughs> so so I am just now trying oh. to get to those and address them. But if you I had any problems during the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> Tough luck, buddy. How would you like a nice Hawaiian punch? Uh, I also, think I've answered everyone. Also, <laughs> also with us, Mr. Jeff Jarvis. Wait a minute. Wait a hello, minute. hello, hello. Happy New the, Year. I need the prompter for this one. He's the director Uh-oh. of the Townite Center for Entrepreneurial Journalism at the Craig Newmark Craig Graduate Craig School of Journalism at City University of New York. Hello, Jeff. Oh, welcome back. Did you have a good holiday? Uh, yeah, yeah. Anything I special also, during the holiday? Enjoyed uh, enjoyed watching the year end uh, compilation, which that was fun. Laughs. Yeah, you laughs. and Glenn were going back and forth on the old Mastodon. <laughs> yep. About that. Yeah. Uh, good. Good. I'm glad you and enjoyed the, it. The moral, the best. Moral, we haven't used the moral panic thing since. I think we oh. should institute oh. that. Uh, well, Mr. Pruitt's here. He's got it. He's got his finger the full poised moral panic. over the, oh, moral, the moral panic, panic button. button. Yeah. Oh, okay. Somewhere. There it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what is, no, this is the one. No, no, no. This is the one where I go dancing across the screen. Talking. Oh, we need that one. Yeah, oh, that's, that one. <laughs> that's, uh, that's built in uh, to the show itself. We have to uh, save that. Uh, <laughs> there it is. I got is. a bad feeling creepy. about this. <laughs> there we go! <laughs> wow, did did Anthony Nielsen do that? Must have. That's it. That was yeah, the, that's the one he Nielsen put on the track. Yeah, 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 yeah. That and more in the year end show. You still watch it, folks? Oh yeah, it's, it's good. 
It's good Still, all year. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Stacy's exactly. at CES, but that's uh, the good news is she's going to report back uh, on Sunday. She'll be on the big the big show this week at Tech, and I'm oh. uh, I'm trying to get her to file something uh, from CES for our brand new Ask the Tech Guy show, which makes its a debut at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. The replacement for the radio show. Uh, and uh, I was hoping there are a few things she said. Can you give me an assignment? So I said, well, <laughs> there are a few things, <laughs> a few things uh, that are interesting uh, at CES. Maybe this one, the LOL uh, button. So this is a device created by uh, just some guy that won't let you use LOL in a text message unless you mean it. You actually have to laugh <laughs> into this LOL box. I, I, I can appreciate is technology that's gone too that's far. Cute. This yeah. is this is yeah. this is yeah. I I always use L L O L, which is if I literally laughed out loud, I will send L oh, okay. L O L. Well, Brian Moore has made a device which will allow you to do that. Uh, he posted a video video on uh, something called Twitter. Don't know what that is on Tuesday. He says, uh, "I remember when L O L meant laugh out loud. You know, a real chortle. Now it's meaningless." Dulled down to the mere acknowledgement of a message. So, as an artist who likes to play technology, uh, this is an article from Motherboard on Vice. He decided to build the box. Um, it listens for some form of laughter. Is there actually some significant AI in here? You can't just go. Wow. Hey, hey, hey. You gotta, you gotta really laugh, and then it'll, wow. a, a message will come on saying, "LOL, verified," <laughs> and uh, and then you're allowed. Does it cost you eight bucks a month to use, though? No, not like the blue check. No, actually, I don't think he's selling these. uh, But he, but he, uh, he says he's going to put the uh, hardware design up uh, and open source it. It, it, uh, Anybody wants to build it themselves, including the software. Do you remember uh, the story of David Cameron with the um, Levinson inquiry and LOL? No, what was that? He he would send emails to Rebecca Brooks, who was number two to a uh, number two to Murdoch, and is now back high in the, in the firm after after she managed to do her apology to her. And he would always send his emails with LOL, thinking it meant lots of love. <laughs> yeah, I remember thinking that too back in really? the days on the um, on the the AIM. What was that? Yeah, AOL yeah. Instant Messenger. I remember seeing that from my best friend back in the day. It's like, why does he keep saying lots of <laughs> That's a, yeah, like that's you too, but geez, that's a little dude, I mean, we're uh, buddies in all the sheets. That's a fun <laughs> new, um, uh, there, there's a, a thing called a Mondegra- Mondegreen, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, Excuse me while I kiss this guy. Yeah, which are mis- oh, misheard right. lyrics. Gotcha. But now we that's can have misheard what do you call uh, it? An acronym? Emoji? Emoticons? I misheard some things. Yeah. Here's a product uh, brought to us last uh, earlier today on Windows Weekly. This is also from CES called the MooTalk. Uh, this is from a company called ShiftAll.net. It is a microphone you strap on like... No, that's not it. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. That's how long it is. There's apparently a timer. Patience with us. It's counting down. We have 14 minutes and 10 seconds left until John explodes. Somewhere genius. in this building. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe that's how long I have to wear the hat. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's uh, can you pick up my screen or is that is that not available? There it is. The Oh, I have a button I can press now. They've given me a button. Oh. Oh, yeah, watch. You're in control. Yeah, I'm in control. <gasps> Look at that. Whoa. 
Uh, this is Moo-tah. the Talk. It's a leakage voice suppression microsoft phone you strap on like a feed bag what <laughs> are you serious oh it's, i thought this was a a cow translator you strap it on a cow and it, you could, it looks talk. like Lou you talk. could fill it with oats and you give it to your horse but no i want to know what the cows say the idea is it picks up and amplifies your voice but no one outside can hear it it's for use in vr so if you don't look like enough of a dork wearing your headset and you're oh my god you can put oh. this on Just go into a padded room and be done with it <laughs> That's what my my wife has a bone anchored hearing aid and it's got Bluetooth connectivity so she can hear calls in her head but she doesn't have a sub vocalization chip yet so is that wild is that yeah wild? the calls actually are directly transmitted to her is it like uh, a cochlear implant ear. it's a it's similar to that but she's lacking the bones in her inner ear on one side so it actually oh, is uh, okay. it vibrates the uh, cilia inside your ear oh. so nobody can hear what it's saying oh, and um, so she can. Take a call or listen to music in her head. That's cool. Oh, that's I can cool. do that with my hearing aids. It'll pair to the phone. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, it's a little weird because connected. I'm talking and nobody knows yeah. what the hell's going on. It's good. It's, it's good. good. I, well, like I can normal. hear voices in my head too sometimes without yes. any Bluetooth. That's the no scary Bluetooth part. involved. Um, let's see what else. I can't wait to get Stacy. I had, I had, I, I have a whole section as usual with CES. Ninety <laughs> percent of what gets showed never. Is yeah. uh, emerges right. Here's the bird right. buddy, a smart hummingbird feeder that will photograph <laughs> and identify 350 bird species, which is weird because it's a hummingbird feeder. You know who <laughs> loves that? Craig Ooh, Newmark. How many Craig Newmark, but he loves b- pigeons. Craig, Craig. Pigeons. <laughs> the thing is, I don't get it because it's a hummingbird feeder. What feeds at hummingbirds? Not pigeons. Nothing but hummingbirds. Do you know the most worst fact I learned over the pandemic? It relates to hummingbirds. And I already told you this fact. It's the worst well, thing. Well, I don't know. What is it? About 70% of a hummingbird's di- diet is spiders. What? Really? Yep. They mostly eat spiders and they supplement with Nothing nectar. Nothing wrong with that, my friend. No, it's great. But you look at them a little different. You're like, oh, man. They like will hover in mid-air and go, and just suck. Okay. The do they do it with their tongue? It's web. Or they do it with they, their you know, sharp they use beak. Their beak. They it's just, you don't think of them. They're vicious, vicious little birds. They're beautiful. But now I think of them a little bit more dinosaur-like. Well, that's what I think about birds is they're dinosaurs. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, they're, they're, they can be, you know, vicious. Uh, the hum- I didn't know this. It is, uh, it is a hummingbird feeder. There are 350 different kinds of hummingbirds. Well, huh. there you go. You just don't run out of hummingbirds all year long. So you'll know exactly huh. what kind of hummingbird is sticking its beak down your <laughs> nozzle. Uh, you know, I guess that does beat my idea because currently I I set a tripod out on mine. Um, there are cameras, maybe birds. you use them that are uh, for taking pictures of wildlife, right? Mm-hmm. They're weather mm-hmm. impervious and they and they, they detect motion. And do you ever use right. that, Ant? Or you just no? I don't use that, but my neighbors back in Carolinas they would use those little cameras sure. for deer. And yeah. you know, we had a family of deer in the backyard, so we set one oh. up back there. Tall rats. Every time they walk by, <laughs> it took some, you know, like little 12 megapixel photos of them. And then they I, shoot. I get, a, I get an alert whenever animals come to my porch. Now I live in 
you know, relatively urban Seattle. And so, but, and then it's like, there's an animal at your porch. It's like, Oh, and I look, it's just the regular, it's a Apple's home kit thing. And I'll be like, what animal? It's like, Oh, it's a cat. Like, Oh, and occasionally it's like, Oh, that's a rat on the porch. Okay. Well, thank you for letting me know. That. <laughs> it's the oh, UPS man. guy. You know, it's hard to tell sometimes. <laughs> He's got little vulpine features. Roku. These are all C- uh, CES stories. Formerly the show, formerly known as the consumer electronics show, which at some point, for some reason, the CEA, the consumer <laughs> electronics association decided should not be called this Consumer Electronics Show, but just CES, like Elvis. It's just CES. It doesn't stand for anything. Roku has announced it's going to make TVs. Oh. So it's partnered for a long time with TCL to put Roku in TVs. In fact, I bought my mom one because uh, uh, that way it was easy for her. They're cheap, yeah. Yes. Who's going to make them for them? Uh, They're not going to make them. One wouldn't think. One wouldn't think, but it, it says... Roku's, this is from uh, CNET, Roku's first foray, as as opposed to June foray, into TV manufacturing comes on the heels of successful partnerships with TCL, Hisense, and Sharp. Hmm. Let me see if they mention. Oh, it says they have a, I see. Yeah, I just got my first uh, little Roku box for a long time. I had one years ago when they first uh, came out and, um, you know, moved on to other stuff. But I got a lot of the micro ones for a, a guest room TV. I was actually... Yeah. They're really great. impressed. Yeah. yeah, it's very high quality. It does. It's uh, better at a lot of things than the Apple TV for sure. Um, and they've got their own programming now and some other yeah. stuff. I, it's such a funny. It's a funny company. Where it was spun off out of Netflix uh, when they worried about I guess antitrust or something. Many Roku years ago. was spun oh, out of Netflix. Yeah, it I was. Uh, I never knew that. The founder, uh, really interesting, very technology guy. He suddenly had to be like a, a CEO. Um, Anthony Wood. Yeah, he's still in charge. And uh, am I remembering that right? I think they they were originally a spinoff of Netflix with fifteen percent equity in Roku. Oh. Yeah, that's right. It's a it's. I know. Isn't that a funny origin story? Because you like, sold its investment in two thousand nine. It explains yeah. why every Roku uh, remote has a Netflix button on it. Yeah, <laughs> it might be sure part, does. That's part of the deal. Yeah, yeah. He was. Uh, I mean, Anthony was. Uh, I remember seeing him at a CES. In fact, back in I don't know two thousand four or something, and um, he was very excited about some stuff that was felt like it was way ahead of the market, way ahead of the big consumer players, and they're they're still keeping up, which is impressive, given that they're competing against you know Amazon and and Apple and some other you know some other very very I large. I think uh, they win companies. against uh, Amazon anyway because they do the same mm-hmm. thing without all the Amazon ads. I'm actually yeah, now right. tired of my uh, Amazon uh, the Echo shows, which have a screen because they show one oh. of your pictures and then an ad, and then one of your pictures and then an ad, and one of your pictures. Really? And an ad. They spent that's annoying all months last month promoting Avatars, the new Avatar movie, uh. and they had an Avatar. You know, say hey, just tell uh, a word that you want the Avatar uh, theme. And, and all that. And it was like, no. Uh, I, and you that's the same A-word with Fire TV. Talking, it's just an advertisement. I thought, talking, I thought you were talking about Ant for a second when you said A-word. I'm like, you call him? That doesn't seem... Oh, hey, sorry. A-word! A-word didn't seem... Get me. I need one of these avatars. So you Fat. used to go to CES, Glenn. Have you stopped now? I, I this embarrassing thing. I manage because I've always been a freelancer and never a staff member. I self-funded one trip there. Uh, got foot sore over a few days, saw a bazillion things, and never went back. And I and I enjoyed oh. it, but I had I've never had a coverage need. And nobody was like, "Yeah, we're going to spend I don't know eight thousand dollars to send you to CES." So I, uh, I just it's expensive. Uh, Aunt yeah. loves CES. 
Absolutely and every year you ask it. us, can I go? And we love say it. every year love we it. say no. Love it. <laughs> I crowdfunded it one year. The other times I went as freelance with uh, Tech Republic. And oh, that's great. I, I, I freaking love it. Uh, someone asked me about it on Twit.Social here recently. And the best analogy I could give is for me, it's, it's, it's a lot of work when you go there. It's a lot of walking. But I absolutely love that that adrenaline I get from just trying to find the find the good stuff to share with everybody, get that packaged up and shipped out and then going and doing it all over again the next morning. It's about like uh, people that love to go to the gym, going to the gym and, and lifting weights and running. There's, there's a little bit of ache and pain that comes with that, but it hurts good, you know, and that's that's how I equate CES in my experience. It, you know, it, that's weird. That's just weird. Nah. Yes, I am. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree. Yes. You know, I liken it to going to New York City. Every time I go to New York, the energy, just I get excited. And you're right. Mm-hmm. The, the same thing. Instead of smelling that, that convention floor carpet, you just smell urine. And smell <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, there's odors associated with both. But um, you know, there's an excitement. The there's the an evening. energy there, isn't there? Yeah. And then in the evening, I once I'm done with everything being created and published or whatnot, I go grab my camera and I just go walk some more for the rest of the um, night. And there's always some beautiful photo opportunities out there, or interesting photo opportunities out there. It's, it's, it is the busiest, you know, three, four days for me. And I probably average about three hours of sleep, if that. And I feel great. I'm and trying to make it. you feel very guilty for not setting them. And I, well, we, That's the last, right. The last time we went was 2020, right before the pandemic. Right, right, right before the pandemic. And we had a great time. And Ant wore the hell out of me. Stuff. And then, the, and then, and then we have dinner, and he disappear. And I said, "Aunt, you're going down and playing poker, aren't you?" And he said, "No, I'm taking pictures." Uh-uh. Uh, I was impressed. I was very impressed. It, it's funny to go to Las Vegas. I when I that's the only time I've ever been there. And I was like, I looked around, and besides CS, I was like, I don't smoke, I don't uh, gamble. I mean, no, nothing moral. I just don't really do it. Doesn't have don't have the the knack or vibe. No, I, and I, I don't gamble. do that other thing you can do in Las Vegas. And I was like, there's not so much here for. Uh, you know, this is the show. Do you but drink? The shows weren't as big a do you deal. drink? I don't really drink. Oh, don't you really are drink. a loser. Jeez, Louise. I don't really drink. Not I know, to go to CES with Glenn No Spicer. sins. I'll have a half a club soda if you insist. Half a club soda. My, my oh wife my and I realize we're from, we're from like two generations of teetotalers. So I'm oh, sorry. Oh, all right. Uh, I... Glenn, I have mixed feelings, no as, as most people will go to CES and have been, I've been for many years and then Comdex for many years before that. I have mixed feelings about it, you know, and it's almost always a relief not to go because, A, you know, you're going to get sick. You didn't get sick, Ann. I was impressed, but you know, you're going to get sick. I did not, but I have gotten sick in oh, years yeah. past. Normal. Um, but when, when I used to hear folks like you say this about CES, I'm like, what are they talking about? There's no way, but... After doing it for a handful of years, I get where you come yeah. from. It is a grind. And one of the things you learn is that out. most of the stuff you're going to see is never going to emerge. Right. And that, Like look what, at a concept car. It's all, yeah. Well, yeah. The, the original idea, I think, of CES was companies go and show vendors, dealers, people are going to sell it, yeah. their ideas. Yeah. And, 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 and if everybody says, oh, that's good, we'll buy a thousand of them, then they make it. They don't make it until they, they sell it. And right. so uh, I think that that's one reason a lot of stuff uh, is shown that never comes out. Although with TVs, for instance, and that's one of the big draws of CES with TVs, uh, those are yeah. the big companies, Panasonic, Sharp, uh, Sony, uh, LG. TCL Hisense. TCL Hisense. They emerged at CES, yeah. took over the Microsoft booth, Hisense did. That, 
Yeah. That's the thing I miss by not going for sure. Is that uh, is that you kind of? It's like was it Akihabara, the street in Japan. Yeah. People used to. I don't know if you still go. Where it's like you're like, what's coming next? And uh, Wired had its uh, was a Japanese schoolgirl technology watch for a while, which is like you're <laughs> trying to figure out the Hirajuku girls next? carrying. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so I think CES is like a much bigger version of that. But it's like, what are people working on? Like, what are they actually all around the world? What have they actually put into a product they can show you in a setting? And even if eighty percent of it doesn't ship you're like oh this is the state of the art this is all the you know all the stuff people are working on which is i don't know i think that's thrilling it is also in past years been a showcase for self-driving vehicles electric vehicles mm-hmm. new auto technology weirdly microsoft is there they've they've gone back to ces but as a oh. mob- but not not as the windows company or even the azure company but as the mobility company and they're showing car solutions which is oh. interesting uh, Sony uh, is not at CES this year. Usually they debut their new uh, TVs. Um, they decided not to. They're going to instead focus on uh, PS2. Uh, and it PS2? says, yeah, with uh, five. What did I say? PS2. PSVR2, <laughs> which is for the PS5. There we go. Okay. Thank and you. Uh, and according to The Verge, an electronic, electric vehicle that Sony is going to be doing. So cars are very big. So here's what's going to happen, just so you know. Um Father Robert Balasser is there. Stacy Higginbotham is there. Uh, Scott Wilkinson's not, but his friend Mike Heiss is. We're going to get reports from Scott, Stacy, and Father Robert on a Sunday on Ask the Tech Guys, our brand new show. And then Sunday uh, after that, Sunday evening on Twit, Stacy will be our guest. So we will have our CES coverage. We'll be on the last day of CES. CES weirdly moved this year to starts tomorrow through Sunday. Oh yeah! Normally hmm. it's it's a week in yeah. midweek, but it's weekend. The holidays on Sunday. Is that why it was the holiday? They had to push it back. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Had to move it around. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I always have a little FOMO, you know. And I'm sure you do too, Aunt. You know, we're not there. What's happening? I remember the days of of the video parts of it, including porn and all that. Oh yeah, they separated right. that out. So yeah. it's yeah. <laughs> used to be because it was just VCS, VCR, you know, VHS tapes. Right. In the corner of the adult corner of CES, there was just a bunch of VHS <laughs> oh tape sellers. And wow. then they separated it to a different venue. In fact, one year I was there with Tech TV and we had cameras and we said, let's go over to the, uh, I think it was the Adult Entertainment Expo, they called it. And we <laughs> went over there with cameras. It was quite embarrassing because I go in the door. Remember, I'm on Tech TV at the time. And one of the cam girls goes, oh, Leo! And comes oh, no. running over. <laughs> and I said, stop shooting. Stop shooting. <laughs> stop it. Oh, my gosh. Turn off the cameras. Um, <laughs> we actually, I ended up making friends with her. I don't know if I should admit this. Not that kind of friend. But we got, I got to know her. She was a fan of tech TV. Yeah. And uh, a, a year later, we were looking to do, we did stunts on tech TV because it was TV, yeah. cable TV. And uh, we were going to do a win a date stunt. And we said, let's use the cam girl. And so it was going to be win a date with what I can't remember what her name was. Win a date with her. But it was troubling because we had the people on. We had her on a camera. And she kept taking off her, trying to take off her clothes. (laughs) (laughs) You can't can't do that. You can't. Stop it. (laughs) 
it's important to point out that a lot of the innovations in technology started with pornography. You have to realize this. It's like it's so it's so it's always yeah. If you're too prudish as a technology related person about it, then you wind up missing out on things. And I remember meeting the Netscape uh, webmaster many years ago, Uh and he told me about being on a uh, a panel with somebody from Hustler or some you know one of those magazines, and was talking about and you know well we you know we can't get a three twenty by two forty pixel screen doing more than ten frames per second. And she's like, we can sell that. And he's like, oh, that's the future. Like, people will pay but for they, stuff. But they, they want did also uh, develop the technologies that got a higher resolution faster. Mm-hmm. I mean, they absolutely drove that whole streaming video yeah. market because it's, there was uh, big money in it. You got to watch certain market segments, even if you're not interested in the products yep. or services yeah. offered. Sure. Well, the other, the other thing is is uh, at, at, at AB. Uh, the church piece, the religious broadcasters. Yeah. Oh, like huge. Huge amounts yep. of smaller technology to try to get them going. Well, you know, we use uh, TriCaster, and one of their big markets is megachurches. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's also the remote uh, wireless mics. I think churches were big pushers in terms of trying to get the, uh, the FCC to uh, license that really weird, uh, is a very complicated thing about uh, a carve-out with um, wireless access to prevent interference from like unlicensed purposes anyway because they use wireless mics like crazy throughout urban and suburban areas yeah Yeah. right so with broadway it's it's like the scene from Mm -hmm. spinal tap where he's got a wireless (laughs) guitar pickup (laughs) and they're at an air force base and they keep getting the air air traffic controllers on the the pa we've come a long way from cam girls to this twitch streamer controlled entirely by ai Neurosama, every day between 6 and 11 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time. I got to explain device. We don't call it that anymore. It's UTC. But anyway, Neurosama streams herself playing Minecraft and uh, Osu, which is a musical rhythm game. She uh, looks like a Japanese anime style character. 50,000 followers. Talks with them in chat. But she's not a human. She's an AI. Wild. Wild. This is, of course, this is where that all happens, just is uh, Japanese uh, youth culture, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I saw a story, I didn't put it in the rundown, about, about a huge market in China for making up fake people. Yeah. I don't mean to, to enter, you know, to, to be a spokesperson, a spokesthing. Oh. Um, Do you want to see Kazuna? Here she is on her YouTube channel, the AI channel. Is this a, uh, is this a disaster for, is this a takedown <laughs> ready to happen? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know yeah. if I should play this. Maybe just leave this for you. Playing a game using only your voice. But you could see there's a certain... Oh, so that's an AI voice even. It's not a human. At least according to the story. You never know, right? There could be some person, some 38-year-old guy in, right. in a wife beater doing the background. I don't know. Some vocoder. Uh, in, a, in the latest live stream on Monday, according to Vice, when a user asked Neurosama if she's more of a Chip or Dale type of chipmunk, she said, I think I'm more of a Dale. She frequently back and forth with the chat saying things, are you seriously trying to troll me? That was an awful chat after numerous users put F in the chat instead of questions for her. Wow. Interesting. So I guess this is the next generation of, uh, of uh, cam performers. Why, why use a human when you can do AI? Hmm. 
And I wanted Didn't to ask you win? if you were watching uh, Monday Night Football uh, on Monday and what you thought. I watched it briefly because um, I was busy doing something else. And then um, I saw the incident with DeMar uh, Hamlin. Hamlin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 24-year-old uh, safety, a very routine uh, tackle, ca- uh, you know, catch and he tackled mm-hmm. a guy and uh, uh, got up. Former Clemson Tiger T. Higgins was the oh, receiver really? that he was tackling. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. got up, then staggered and fell, and uh, they actually had to call off the game. He, they 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 performed CPR on him for something like nine minutes. Nine minutes. Brought mm-hmm. an ambulance out on the field and took him to the hospital, where he is still in critical condition. And we don't know much. They haven't said. It much. Last report I saw it is he said. is improving, uh, but he's still in critical care. So. Good. Uh, according to the Bills, uh, he suffered cardiac arrest during the play. His heartbeat was restored on the field. They had a small defibrillator in the ambulance, which I didn't see. I thought it was mm-hmm. manual CPR, but no, in fact, they had a defibrillator. Uh, and he is in the hospital sedated. I think they had, I was told they had to intubate him. So, Right. Uh, yes, they did. Right. Since he's on a ventilator, you, you don't want to be conscious during that. Um, his heartbeat, was, according to the Bills, was restored on the field transferred to the University of Cincinnati Med- Medical Center for further testing and treatment. He's and then they had to do it again in the hospital. Did they? Oh, Lord. Yeah, yeah. that's worrisome. Uh, I, did, I did not see it. We were on the airplane coming home. But when we turned on the news on the way home, it was, of course, all over the news. I yeah, saw a reference news. on Twitter and went to dial immediately and was shocked what was going on. And, and, and it was also just amazing. And I was curious, the... What do the commentators say? They just didn't. They just didn't know what to say. Um, yeah, the commentators are, were. They wanted to be sensitive to the situation. ESPN um, was the broadcaster, right? They wanted to be sensitive to the situation, but at the same time, you could see that they, they were their emotions were were all over the place. And I felt for those those folks trying to do that job because they wanted to present the information to the viewers. But it was very difficult for them because they could see someone's life was in the balance right in front of their eyes. Yep. You know? And that was, uh, to me, the most remarkable uh, thing after, after the fact I saw a video. I didn't see the, him, the tackle or his fall, but uh, of all the players crying. And you see these big, brute, yeah. brute, brute mm-hmm. guys in tears. They're for the grace of God go they. Yeah, well, you that's know? right. It's, that was so, so close. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that struck me, Leo, is, is that is the, the damage that the professional football does to young men's bodies, we don't see until a few decades later. Mm-hmm. And this is a case where we saw it right there. You know, and, and even a, with that incident there, and uh, I don't want to diminish this, you know, he, he took a hit in the chest and that, that triggered it. It was kind of a freak um, as far as we know. Right. It freak. is a freak yeah. accident because yeah. that typically you see stuff like that would happen in an auto racing event because of the impact hitting the mm-hmm. wall and that jar in motion but it's still a freak accident um i hate what i saw online was the people were number one blaming it on football it's not necessarily football's fault blaming it on t higgins the receiver himself not, certainly um, not his fault not his fault and next blaming it on some other political bull crap that i'm not even going to say what right, it is but it was some other political stuff yep. Uh, this is just a, a freak That's accident. amazing. Fortunately, how people get politics okay. into everything I, is just mind-blowing. Well, it's not just politics, it's lies. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> so, I, I, but I, is, I'm not a sports guy. Your, your okay, kids played football, and yes. you, I'm, I think you played football, right? And you're certainly a huge football yes, fan. Yes, sir. Um, I play. Does, does it damage the sport? No. In my opinion, no, it does not. Um, 
and and I'm very very different when it comes to this because I know about all of the CTE and the, the concussions that people deal with. My son got a concussion. My, the college boy he got a concussion uh, back four years ago, and it pretty much ruined Queen, Queen Pruitt. She wouldn't go to another game because she she didn't like what she saw. Mm-hmm. She supports them, but she couldn't go back to a ball game. And when this incident happened Monday night, it it brought me to tears because it's just it's beyond my control. But at the same time, um, those kids are out there doing what they freaking love to do. Um, and, and that sometimes that sad stuff happens. And I could think about Hardhead uh, right now and that's in high school and the stuff that he's gone through. And, and his teammate, the quarterback, took a blow to the head uh. at the end of a game. Mm-hmm. And that really wrecked us. You know, that was a, that was a hard night in, in trying to console my son and push him through that. And, whew, you know, but at the same time, he wanted to be out there for his team and he wanted to be out there for the love of the game. But yet he knows this is a very, very risky sport at times. And can I ask you the, the uh, reparative uh, surgery you had, was that from, was that football injuries? Believe it or not, uh, track and field brought that on. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> track and field brought that on. I, I ran the high hurdles, and I had a, a, a cartilage tear in my hip, and it was on my trail leg. So doing that repetitive motion right, of right. whipping my trail leg across that hurdle just kept making it worse. Well, I didn't we, know it at the time. <laughs> we wish the best, certainly, for DeMar Hamlin. But uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I think part of what makes football fun is the risk young young men especially need to take risks right uh it's it's part of our or or they're being exploited for that too well that's the other question i wonder that when i see boxing i often feel like oh yeah this is an exploitive sport you know these are these are usually uh poor black men who uh had no other way of making a living so we put them in the Mm -hmm. ring and made them punch each other right yeah my my dad loved boxing. He watched boxing for many decades, and you ask him any statistic before a certain year, and he can tell you everything about everything. And then at some point, he just hit the limit and went, "Oh, I can't, you know, I can't watch and support this anymore." Um, and I don't think that was blindness on his part. He's a very good guy, uh, or mm-hmm. anybody's part. He still likes boxing. It's like we all have our different limits in how we perceive it. It's not like blood sport or something. It's not like watching. Yeah, but it kind of uh, is a blood sport. Yeah. And this, it, I have the it, same but, qualm because I love football. I love gridiron. I mm-hmm. reckon football. I love watching the NFL. Uh, Lisa and I both do. We know about CTE. Mm-hmm. We know about the long-term damage many of these athletes suffer. We now, yep. it's been brought right up to us, the, da- the day-to-day risks as well. Yep. My kid played uh, Pop Warner in fifth grade. Uh, yep. And he loved it. And they, you know, it's fifth grade, but they wear yeah. helmets. They take, they take hits, too. They take hits. And uh, in a practice game, uh, one of the players got a tib-fib break, a serious break. Yeah. He was in a hip cast wow. for the rest of the season. And I'm thinking, do I want my son out there doing this? But mm-hmm. he loved it. And so it's and that's, hard. That's where I am. I see all of those those potentially horrible aspects of it. Yet at the same time, I tell my family this all the time. Football changed my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can go all the way back to being seven years old in the exact moment where my life changed socially as a young black man. And, and 
being different from the other kids in the neighborhood, not having friends, but something about football and that it, it flipped a switch and my life changed wow. going forward. And then being able to get relationships with, with coaches. Now, granted, I did see my father regularly, you know, but when I was six years old, he and my mother divorced. So he wasn't in the house, but having those father figures as coaches was tremendous for me. And, and, and it all and it all turns back to football. So it's really hard for me to poo-poo the game of football when I look at what it's done for me in my life and helped me in my day-to-day. Can I ask you a question, Ant? Sure. Because um, I'm not, as you know, a sports guy at all, right? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like a Christmas and Easter Christian. I'm a Super Bowl and World Cup uh, sports fan, right? Nice. And um, so watching the World Cup, which this year was just, even I knew it was amazing. Yeah. What always strikes me when I watch I watch what we call soccer is that you know when you get kicked in the shins, you you, you roll around on the ground in agony <laughs> to try to get the penalty, right? And so it's right. this right. it's this performative agony versus American football is oh, I could take anything. Yeah. And I'm not hurting. No, no, I do it through the pain. I do it through the pain. Yeah. There, there just seems to be a a but huge cultural Jeff, difference there. I'm, I'm going to come up and kick you hard in the shins. <laughs> and then you tell me how you feel. Well, with football, really? they don't, American football, they don't do it. You kick me hard in the shins in football. I'm tough. Baseball's the right. same way. They rub it off. Don't, whatever you do, don't you? Yeah, exactly. I think it's, so the question is, is that American? Is part of the problem with American football is the sport and, and race and television and money, but is it also our culture? I would think it's American culture myself. Uh, I heard all of that in football, basketball, baseball, all of those. Uh, you, you get hurt, be quiet, rub a little dirt on it, you'd be okay. You know, right. <laughs> little stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and that is very to American. An extent, don't I cry. Enjoyed we enjoyed that. We tell boys not to cry, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah, those... and there's problems with that. You shouldn't tell them not to cry. Um, but the biggest thing that I got out of it was things are going to hurt sometimes, but it's not, it shouldn't stop you. Yeah. You know, and you can take that metaphorically in life. You know, you're going to have some challenges in just societal norms, but you can't let it hold you back either. You know, it's such an interesting question because uh, the players want to do it. Right. They love it. Right. You just told an amazing story uh, about it changing your life at the age of seven. Um, yep. It, I remember the exact moment I was playing cornerback of all positions, had no idea what I was doing at cornerback. And this kid. You were seven. From, right. And, you were and, seven. It's okay. Hey, you didn't need to know and by how the way, to be a quarterback. That's another that's thing. That's a big difference. That's another thing that's a big difference. Uh, football, for some reason, seven. you know, you watch a seven-year-old, group of seven-year-olds play soccer, and it's like you're watching a school of fish swimming they're all moving, they're all chasing them the, they got not, one kid's face the other but it's it's very football in america even for little kids is extremely serious yeah. you don't uh, screw I, around in football i didn't mean to interrupt you you were, you were telling your story no it, it's uh, i remember i was playing cornerback and we were playing against iva in south carolina and the kid got the ball to run around the corner towards me and there was this moment of oh crap this Here he comes versus this other kid. Yeah. What am I supposed to do? And something just said, go hit him, go make the tackle. <laughs> and when I went to hit him and make that tackle, I remember the sound. I remember what it feels like. I remember the sideline because it was on my sideline. I remember my coaches yelling. I remember my teammates yelling. Wow. 
and something just changed right there. And, and I was hooked wow. ever since. And it oh totally my changed my life. That kid, however, decided to become an artist. No, now I feel jealous. I feel envy. I have always felt envious of uh, people who played team sports through college or even later. There's something mm-hmm. you get out of being on a team together that is su- a super valuable lesson. Yeah. You know, and my mother, did, she didn't want me to play. Um, that uh, it, that was a big battle in the family. Yeah. Um, but her her friend at the time talked her into it because he was a coach. And I'm forever grateful for him. It'd be good for him. To, yeah. Yeah. And, and it did. It, it literally changed my life. And the whole team aspect that you mentioned, I, I stand by that, sir. I stand yeah, I think, by that. I mean, this the issue with brotherhood. The issue with football is a lot of change, though, right? Is that it's not the same game you played when you were a kid. Uh, I mean, at the professional level, but even at the college level, it's like, you know, bigger, harder, faster, um, kind of like every sport. It's got optimized towards something that is more mm-hmm. dangerous. And I don't mm-hmm. think the sports safety, I mean, we're starting to finally see it hasn't caught up with that increased level of danger. And right. if that keeps that, I mean, that's the thing is, you know, you wouldn't be playing in high school if you if your school couldn't get insurance. And we're starting to see yeah. reports of that. So it's going to have to change at a high school and below level so the schools can keep getting insured. And otherwise, there won't be any pipeline to well, players. There is definitely a trickle down uh, with the research on helmets starting right. to happen um, towards the high school side. I can't say towards the Pop Warner side yet. Because that's a whole different ball of wax. It's usually private, um, but it is trickling down into the high school level, as far as the protection that they're getting in the helmets and in the shoulder pads and things like and that. And they're changing the rules dramatically every season. Yeah, uh, the rules change dramatically on you know whether you can hit a quarterback, uh, uh, you know how you can mm-hmm. hit somebody, how you hit a quarterback. helmet to helmet. Uh, you know, we used to call it clipping, which yep. <laughs> tackling somebody uh, below the knees from behind, uh, yep. and that. That is, I mean, there are so many more things you can do that are that are wrong, uh, and that's good. That's that's in response to that. But you make a good point, Glenn, because our training methods have gotten so good in our diet and so forth. Yep. We can make people yeah. who are huge, hugely strong. When you get hit by a three hundred pound guy, I don't care if he's mm. tackling you perfectly. <laughs> it's it's gotta <laughs> it hurt, well, right? Where, it where does Mean Joe Green? If you look at Mean Joe Green compared with tiny. today's players, he's tiny. I mean, look at these new or, players. Or, or Joe Refrigerator Perry, you're like, yeah. I don't know. He's kind of like a college fridge. Yeah. Now, I mean, that's the, so. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Storm fridge. Yeah. Uh, not to make fun. Those are great players in their day. I mean, it's funny. It's like we start talking about. I'm like, oh yeah, I used to watch football. I kind of forgot, but I did. But those were great players in their days. It I mean, is. I guess it's I, a I wonderful sport to watch. It's a. It's a. Yeah. I imagine, and I think you've proven it, Ant. A wonderful sport to play, and it's dangerous. But I think danger is maybe part of the excitement of playing it if it were perfectly safe would it be as fun i I i'm not sure but i will say that i've taken a beating more so on the basketball court than i oh god the throwing elbows wow yeah and there's no protection there's no pads more injuries in the basketball than than football Yeah. yeah hands down well you're not protected yeah nope the technology uh, angle to this story, Leo, was interesting because I, I watched for a long time and TV didn't know what to do. So they threw in every commercial they had in the, in the box. Uh, yeah. It kept going to come back. They didn't know if the game was going to come back the, uh, for a long time. They didn't time. know, right? Yeah. But the thing is, the, the crowd in the stadium stayed there. There was nothing being told to them. Nothing right, at all. Right. But they all had phones. They all knew what they was going ca- and on. And they cared. I, you know, this is Cincinnati. It was a serious game. 
they really care. And one of the things you see in football that you don't see in any other sport is the brotherhood between teams. It always amazes me at the end of the game when team players who've been fighting each other like animals right, for, right. for a whole game come over and hug each other and shake hands yeah. and say, how are you doing? How are the kids? Sure do. There is a, a fraternity of football players. I never see that in basketball. No. I don't think they do it in baseball. They sh- not only um, do they not do it. Baseball shake they, each other's they hands shake like the their t- own yeah. teammates. They, the, other, the losing team <laughs> slinks off. And the, yeah, yeah it, football players love each other. And I think part of that is because they know they're gladiators what it takes, in the yeah. arena, and uh, but also because they all have played with each other, <laughs> they all know each yeah. other pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. I, it's a, I think it's a beautiful sport. I'm a, I'm a huge fan, and as a fan, and I'm glad we have you here, Ant, because as a fan, I always worry that uh, we're supporting something that is uh, not good, that is exploitative of the players, or not good for the players. No, and and, and that, the, the whole exploitation thing has been thrown out for the last handful of years. Uh, and I get where people are coming from. But at the end of the day, these players that sign those contracts, they choose to sign the contracts. They don't have to play in the NFL. Right. They can go and get a job over here at in and out right. you know? Right. But they're given a tremendous opportunity to change their life financially, um, and they choose to sign that contract. Um, it, 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 that's, that's all you can say about it. The other thing I would say is that in in generations and centuries past, we've gone to war instead. So maybe it's nice to have an alternative for young men to express those feelings and get that testosterone out without killing, without literally killing uh, each other. Mm -hmm. This all actually is a Google story. Surprise. Look at you. Look at me. You you got skills. Google won the contract (laughs) for Sunday ticket. Oh, It's going to be on YouTube TV. This was a, Talk about a battle. Apple was the front runner for a long time. The NFL gets a billion and a half dollars a year from DirecTV. DirecTV's been losing their shirt on it. They they did it because they figured this is going to sell a lot of satellite dishes and a lot of subscriptions, not just to homeowners, but to bars. But ultimately, they couldn't justify the billion and a half dollars a year. So yeah. that and the networks went, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so who came in to Amazon, <laughs> Google and Apple, the tech companies who have the money to Future. spend and who have uh, an interest beyond, you know, gaining subscribers. Um, Apple mm-hmm. eventually dropped out, I think, because they couldn't come to an agreement with the NFL about how Apple could run it. For instance, right. I've heard Apple wanted to give it away free. Um, mm, that there was part there, of Apple there, Plus or something. Yeah. Right? And there were some. Issues over international rights, uh, but but Google jumped in as soon as Apple withdrew and and took it. Uh, we don't know how much they paid, but uh, speculation is is at least two billion a year. Google can afford pocket because, because I was on vacation last week. I didn't read into this a whole lot. I just saw the headline and said, "Nope, I'm not working." But I was curious: <laughs> did, was there anything about the? potential price into the consumer because that was the problem with direct tv in its package mm-hmm. deal was it was ridiculously expensive for those handful of games um to happen you know for roughly six months it, it just never really equated to being a good dollar value i'm looking at the google blog post and i don't see anywhere where they've said how much but i have read in commentary that it's expected they will ch- upsell it that it won't be part of you'll have to be a youtube tv subscriber and then You'll have to pay an additional um, monthly oh. fee, 
which I, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I mean, Google could subsidize it, but I think the NFL wants uh, probably wants a percentage. Well, uh, Google also has the means to sell the advertising that Apple doesn't have. Well, that's exactly yeah. right. Um, it's all out-of-market Sunday regular season NFL games based on the viewer's location. This is the biggest problem with the NFL, by the way. Good luck trying to watch a game out of market. Broadcast on Fox, CBS, NFL Sunday ticket allows fans in the U.S. the ability to follow all their favorite teams and players no matter where they live. That's the real value of it. Our son's a Green Bay Packers fan. They're never going to have a local broadcast of the Packers unless they're playing the Niners. Uh, So now he can watch the Packers games. Updated Sunday ticket product features and functionality will be announced ahead of the 2023 NFL season. That means later this summer. Um, I'm going to guess it's going to cost a not insignificant amount of money every month, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I seem to remember, like, if you wanted to order it, it was damn near $400 back in the I think that's what it will be. Um, that's be my guess. You know. That's for a six-month season, right? For September, right. August through uh, February. Um, um, the, with I, I love the idea of having the ability to see out-of-market uh, uh Teams. Is that me? Uh oh, am I beeping? Is it's that not me? No, that's you. Oh no, it was John. <laughs> it was John. Mister <laughs> Jammer. John's 14, new hip. The fourteen minutes came. <laughs> yeah, the four, that was the fourteen minute timer. Well, there you go. The timer. That's what it was. <laughs> there you go. Now what happens? <laughs> but with oh, okay. That's the okay. So I should explain what that timer is and what the alarm is. We have a new studio sponsor. Thank you, ACI Woo-hoo. Learning. Yes. They're, they're a part of the IT Pro family. They also have Auto Pro, Practice Labs, Hubs. Uh, we have been partners with IT Pro TV forever. Now it's ACI Learning uh, from IT Pro. And uh, they sponsor the studio. So every f- 14 minutes, I guess, we have to, we have to put this. We're going to eventually have signage in here, That's as we did oh, last past some years ago. But that's in, in lieu of that. Uh, and, and I just wanted to welcome them and thank them very much because that's, that's going to be a, a big help to uh, keeping the lights on around here. Indeed. Uh, I hope you just do a green screen but, across your desk. It'll just like flow over. <laughs> yeah, it'll be like a football studio. We can actually uh, do that. I don't know why we don't do, do something like that. <laughs> the ticker on the bottom of yeah, the... Yeah, we could have a yeah, ticker. You are electronic. Yeah. The, well, um, I don't know. But what I was getting at about the, the whole package, it's good that you can get these out-of-market out of games, but my problem is YouTube TV service not necessarily working for families. Uh, my college boy, even though he is on my quote family plan as an authorized user, so on and so forth, he cannot watch YouTube TV being off in college in a whole different mm. zip code. That makes no daggum sense to me. Um, if he were trying to use my username and password up there, I get that. But he's he's in my my plan. He's he's. I've authorized him and everybody else under the plan to be able to access the service. I don't understand why Google can't, you know, flip a switch and say, oh, yeah, he's legit. You know, he should be able to do this. Oh, it drove me crazy when we were in Mexico. We wanted to watch the 49ers game. And uh, uh, I tried every every method. <laughs> every <laughs> VPN option I did ExpressVPN, and that worked mm-hmm. with Amazon Prime, but Google was way too smart. They said, you're not mm-hmm. in the country. Uh, mm-hmm. I tried every possible method i subscribed to nfl plus and they said but you're not in the country and this is the problem there's so much money in this these rights deals are extremely complicated the mexican broadcasters obviously have their own separate deal and um, with that deal they 
the NFL guarantees no one, no, they can't watch it any other way. And so it's a, uh, it's a so nice, VPN wouldn't get you in. No, I don't Not know how they're everything. getting around it. But at the same time, why, why do I have to figure out a VPN option on a television set? Well, and, and why doesn't and the NFL have a deal? <laughs> I mean, right. I'm willing to give money. Uh, just give me a way to do it. They're literally for money or blood or money. There was no way to get it. The only way I could get it was you watch Red Zone, which is yeah. the most ADD thing ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. It's it's nightmarish. It's like they 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 go to game ding 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 ding. But anyway, we were able to see some of the place, so that was good. Uh, YouTube actually, CNBC says it'll be roughly two billion a year. So that's the. It's uh, that will be at the start of the new season next year, available as an add-on package if you're already a YouTube TV subscriber. But this is the good news, Ant, as a standalone a la carte option on YouTube's primetime channels. So it'll be part of YouTube TV, but also part of YouTube. So there may be a solution there uh, for you. Right. Um, so uh, you know, and I'm sure Google will monetize it, uh, but. But maybe they will subsidize it as well. We'll see. Mm. It, it, it was uh, Sunday ticket on uh, DirecTV was eighty dollars a month for the base option and uh, extra yeah, features so for one hundred forty nine ninety nine a month. <laughs> so eighty eighty dollars <laughs> times six months. Yeah, uh, but That's that was yeah that was the basic. Yeah, that was a basic. Mm. Almost five hundred bucks. Uh, It'll be interesting to see Google go up against Murdoch. Whenever sports things come up for expiration, because that's Murdoch's whole strategy is to get as much sports audience as he can. I think he's, this he's is the problem. The nose. These these tech companies have such deep yeah. pockets that even Rupert Murdoch can't compete. And he already hates Google anyway because right. they're competitors. And now they're really going to hate each other. So what is he going to do? He's going to do what everybody else does. He's going to go to the government, whether it's the U.S. Yep. government or the EU, and say, hey, Wine. or Australia, which he practically owns, yep. and say, hey, these guys are doing me dirt. Which brings us to probably the most important story of the week. Uh, the Irish regulators... Oh, have ruled that Meta, they're fining Meta $400 million, but more importantly, they're saying you cannot use what you know about your users to spend, to sell ads. Did a very sad trombone sound right here. <laughs> yeah. A top European Union privacy regulator ruled, this is from the Wall Street Journal, meta platforms cannot use its contracts with Facebooks and Instagram users. They can't say, hey, they said it was okay. Look, they signed this special contract, which nobody reads, to justify sending them ads based on their online activity. Which now, this the long run screws media, too. It screws everybody at Google yes. probably more than anybody else. Yes. Now, a $400 million fine is to Facebook is not the end of the world. Bigger. The well, bigger these days. Maybe. Yeah, well, maybe. they have. Well, it's part of it. Is, this is the first. Isn't this one of the first resolutions? The GDPR was passed a few years ago. Yep. And there were massive complaints that the process was, you know, anybody, any citizen of the EU or I think certain residents and uh, other organizations could file complaints and companies be forced to turn over a significant percentage, like single digit percentage of right, their annual told. revenue and, right. and uh, global revenue, if I recall right. Right. Yep. And yep. Uh, and this, as I read this, this is these are 2018 complaints being resolved in twenty. 
you know, late 2022, early 2023 here, right? And uh, uh, the Irish regulators now issued a billion dollars in fines, but it took a while. So these companies are able to reap the rewards from it. And also with Apple's change, their, uh, their do not track me thing, their, uh, oh, yeah. that policy, which, which Facebook said was going to cost them billions. There's been some disputes about whether Meta really incurred that kind of cost, but, um, people do, people when given the choice say, please do not track me across apps. And that's kind of the fundamental privacy issue. And it's going to cost these companies money that built their operations around tracking them across apps. But in this case, this is even like within the app, right? This is where it gets to it is it's that it's within their system. You agree when you sign up for Instagram that we could track you, you allowed us to. Right. And you still can't. Uh, Now, according to the Wall Street Journal. But they're saying you have to you have to expose it better. No, 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 no. They're saying you may not, despite you cannot use its contracts with Facebook and Instagram users to justify sending them ads based well, on their online activity. Right, but you could you could revise that and expose what they're saying is you could expose as I understood it you could expose uh, an option for people which is buried in the agreement now, but legitimately you could expose an option and let people choose to be tracked. And that's kind of what Apple did. And most people opted out, but not everybody, but Apple provided a very, you know, binary option Apple doesn't for really users. Sell ads. Yeah. And I, well, right, it so, does. so meta, well, somewhat, but it's not the big business, yeah. but meta could provide, uh, you know, incentives or present it in a different way that could wind up being compliant that would be explicit instead of buried in an agreement and be in compliance. So they have they have options. They just don't like them as well as just hiding it from the user that they're doing this. This is but what it also journal- just demonizes this idea of targeting yeah. as if it's as if it's it's the whole, you know, it drives me nuts. A lot of it is this horrible book I had to finish reading. Um, it's not surveillance. Surveillance is when governments come after you with police and watch you. Um, this is ad tracking. It's 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 a way that media and, and the internet is still seen as a medium. I think that's one of the mistakes here, including news, including a lot of entertainment, makes money so that you get what you get inexpensively. So what we're going to see out of this is yeah, tons of paywalls now, and uh, further redlining of quality news and entertainment for the privileged not for the society at whole. And it's, it's going to be long-term damaging, I argue. So the, the, according to the Wall Street Journal, this issue is over first-party data. Uh, mm-hmm. Right, right. You can say, you know, as Apple does, block third-party trackers. But Apple, Facebook, and Google all use first-party data. And that's specifically what the Irish regulator is disallowing. Uh, Meta has long allowed users to opt out of personalized ads based on data it gleans from users' activity on other websites and apps, but it doesn't give users that option for opting out of ads based on data about activity on its own platform, Instagram, or Facebook, such as what posts a user comments on, what videos an Instagram user watches. Uh, The journal says that in-house data is one of Meta's main tools for building customized audiences for the personal ads it sells. This is this is the first party loophole that Apple and others conveniently ignore. We've said this again and again. Yeah, all Apple's saying is you can't track, you know, somebody else's app, but Apple knows exactly what you do on the phone. Google knows exactly what you do every time you go on a search. Uh, Meta knows exactly what you're doing on every single Meta property. Now the EU is saying you can't even use that data. I don't see anywhere where it says you could. Uh, you have to ask permission. Maybe, maybe there is a I, loophole. Uh, I'm looking at Meta the story. Says, I thought it. Meta says, they don't. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Meta says it disagrees with the ruling and plans to appeal. 
Yeah. And the journal says that could take years, but if the decisions are upheld, they could mean that Meta will have to allow users to opt out of ads that are based on how users interact with its own apps. So I That's guess that implies a switch. Yeah. 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 But in a question, I mean, right. And it's first party data. If it's third party data, maybe it should be opt in or it should be informed in Apple's way. Uh, I mean, I guess, right. Th this gets us to the heart of, you know, what we're paying for. If we're the product, even if we're the product of a first party, a first party customization, there's some things I want delivered that way. I remember when Gmail launched and people were freaked out and in some ways, rightly so, that Gmail would analyze or Google would analyze the contents of our email and serve personalized ads based against that. Right. And now it's, I don't know what, how many years later are we 17 years or something? <laughs> and it's still doing some variety of that. We don't have end to end encryption on email, although Gmail recently announced they're going to enable an option for that. And then they won't be able to sell ads against the contents of email. So, but Google's you know, long said, we don't do that anyway. Google, Google can easily. Well, they're doing something, right? They're doing something oh, contextual they say they don't. early, but they not the contents. They but, say they do not, but they don't. Uh, and that's only because they don't need to. <laughs> Every time you do a search, right. You're announcing right. what your interests are. You you give better than that email. information. So yeah. the, here's what I see as the critical thing: applications at uh, Apple's att app, uh, switch, which by the way, a majority of users say no, I don't want tracking. Never stopped first party data. It doesn't stop right. Apple. Right. Now the EU is saying Apple, Google, Meta, you have to offer a switch that that stops first party data. And and it, I think every single user will turn that off. And I don't think that's in GDPR. That's the other thing. I think it's a misreading, as bad as GDPR is and as, and as confusing as it is, I think that's a misreading of, of what's there. Because again, when the newspapers realize and, and, and news publishers realize what's going on here and entertainment companies realize what's going on here in the streaming world that is more and more supported by advertising, uh, they're going to have fits here. Because, because I've been pushing every news organization out there to say, change your product strategy so you get first-party data. That is your only defense. Um, Google went out there, right, and tried to kill cookies, and the publishers weren't ready. So they're the ones who said, no, 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 hold on to cookies for now. Um, because because they don't know what they're doing and they don't have their first-party data strategies, uh, they're going to be screwed all around. This is, this is going to kill tons of media. This is what the journal says. Ireland did not want to do this, but they they found that nothing in GDPR stopped Meta from making behavioral ads a necessary part of its contract with users. But a number of other EU privacy regulators disagreed, arguing that behavioral ads are not necessary to provide a social network. You don't. They didn't need those ads. And a board of all EU privacy regulators, the European Data Protection Board, last month overruled Ireland as part of a dispute resolution uh -huh. system built yep. into GDPR. Yep. So what happened is Ireland said, yeah, GDPR does not disallow this. Uh, but the rest of Europe said, no, wait a minute, it does. Or a body representing the rest yeah, of Europe. Yeah, said, no, we believe that, in fact, this is uh, under the domain of GDPR, and it isn't necessary for Meta to create a business. So we're going to be able, we believe that you should stop it. And I think this is a significant shot across the bow. Uh, and, and I think it should not be ignored. Now, now it's going to take a while. You know, it'll be appealed. There'll be a lot of litigation. But there's a risk uh, What does the U.S. government everybody. do at the time when, when the U.S. government is starting under both parties is going at a pincer against Silicon Valley? This is about protecting American industry. Um, you know, you watch what's happening with Mastodon. It's fascinating. 
that the EU government is investing in Mastodon. So which I think it's fine. I've said it to you for years. Stop whining about Google. Invest in your own stuff. But because it's European and it's anti-Silicon Valley, um, the government is taking a real role there in trying to fight Silicon Valley. And the U.S. government is going to have to say in trade agreements, whoa, here. We'll see what they do. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think users I want that switch. Users want to be able to say, but, don't track me, bro. But they, hmm, see, I I, I, I think there's a fundamental, um, there's a fundamental issue not about uh, whether personalized ads should be used at all and whether companies should have a right to use data they collect from you within their own systems in order to feed advertising. I think it's an ecosystem issue. It's a disclosure issue. And it's also a what are we paying for issue, right? I'm, I preferentially pay for or use services that I know are not making money off me in a secondary way whenever it's possible. It's one reason why, again, like Mastodon, I'm not paying for Mastodon yet, but it is a superior product in some ways already for my particular set of interests mm -hmm. because I'm not worried about Twitter's business model any, anymore or what they're doing with my data. Now, I, I should ultimately, I do want to pay somebody for Mastodon in some distributed way. Leo, thank you very much for underwriting the 100 million tweets I've, or tweets I've made on the twit.social <laughs> server. You're, you're paying, Leo's paying for me right now. Wonderful person, and I'm very <laughs> glad to have you on the Mastodon. So you're, you're my volunteer, uh, volunteer uh, payment coordinator here for this uh, service. But uh, but so I don't I don't blame Google or Apple, any of the companies for wanting to do it. I, I feel like I mean, if the EO went too far, it's in creating a uh, not providing enough guidance about what to do. And if the option were, look, you got to have a really clear page where someone can go and say, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And oh, and the companies, I think, by contrast, should say, if you slip, flip the switch off, you're going to need to upgrade to a subscription where you pay X. I mean, that's the Twitter trade-off, right? We're seeing in real time Elon Musk discover what advertising actually brings to Twitter and how his $8 a month service doesn't necessarily replace the value of the ads he wants to turn off. So, you know, is it a privacy thing when everything's first party and everything's kept within the system? Not as much as when we find out that companies have been leaking first party stuff into third parties, which comes up all the time. So there's trust issues. I don't know. I, I just yeah, Glenn, I, I think you're I think you're way right. Going back to the very beginnings, to the first days of the first cookies. Hmm. The cookies were necessary for the maintenance of web operations when they got used for advertising. Mm -hmm. We were not in the least transparent about it. It made it easy for the Wall Street Journal to come along and demonize them. You know, what do they know about you? What they know, right? It was a whole big series. And uh, the industry, by that I mean both technology and media and advertising, all hurt themselves uh, by not having, by not caring about the trust in the but, public. But let me ask you I think this, it got Jeff. demonized, overdone. Do you think it's a user's right to tell Facebook or Instagram or Apple or Google, no, I don't want you to track me. I think, no, I actually don't think, because I think, I think it's what, what, mm. what Glenn just said. A, a company can set the terms of their use. And right. they can say, this is um, you want to use this thing? Fine, here's right. the deal. Here's how and we this pay this is the deal it. we make. Yeah. Right, like, who, uh, like Hulu, you pay a different rated Hulu with ads and right. without ads. Right. Mm -hmm. And it is the case that we are using these amazing free services from Google and Facebook. Uh, they're absolutely free, um, and they're paid for by advertising. And that advertising, apparently, advertisers believe, I know they tell us this, they need this tracking information. Yes. The advertisers have been spoiled by digital media. You know, when you buy a TV ad, when you buy an ad on the Super Bowl, all you know is you're going to reach 80 million people. You don't know which people. 
Right. Um, and that's why, you know, if you're Coca-Cola, you go, well, they all drink Coke. Or worse, they drink Pepsi and we want them to drink Coke. So that's a right. worthwhile buy. Uh, but when people buy our podcasts, they want to know who am right. I talking yes. to. And I, and I understand why advertisers want that. And I understand it's a careful balance between us turning over information about our audience. The good news is with podcasting, we can't because it's RSS. All we know is your IP address. And even that we don't really care or know about. Until uh, Spotify comes along and changes but then that's the that's Well, but see, that's why Spotify is a threat and iHeart yes. and Amazon and Audible because you all of those shows you listen to only in their app. And their app knows everything. It knows everything. You know, your charge card, your name, address, phone number. It knows how much Location. of the show you listen to, <laughs> when you listen to it. it. Did you hear the ad? Did you not hear the ad? And advertisers, if given the choice between knowing absolutely nothing uh, and absolutely everything, always are going to choose everything. Whether it helps them or not, I don't know. But Meanwhile, the other want. book that I had to read that drove me completely nuts is Jaron Lanier. Ten Arguments right. for the off. Leading... Your social media accounts. So right this is oh, a companion piece to the much longer Shoshana Zubloff, right? And the, the view of the moral entrepreneurs here is that advertising is the root of all ills, and all, and so we should it should become a paid internet, which is a position of extreme privilege that you can afford to pay for all these services, uh, but many can't. Number one, right? Uh, or there's going to be crappy competition and disinformation that's always free. Uh, and and I think that that they're not looking at the larger picture of the of the ecosystem in which we live. I, I'm just surprised that uh, Jared Leonard wrote a book because I remember his famous quote when he missed the uh, seventh deadline of not delivering an earlier book. He called <laughs> his publisher and said, "Every cell in my body has been replaced since I agreed to meet the deadline." Oh my god! <laughs> fifteen fifteen years ago. Oh my god! He but except Jared, his hair was was the same hair. Jaron, who was uh, an early proponent of VR, he was the, the VR yeah. king, yes. uh, has written books f called You Are Not a Gadget, <laughs> Truth, Technology, and uh, the Visual Virtual World, The Dawn of the New Everything. He's kind of become a Luddite. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, 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 these technologists, uh, uh, Tristan Harris, uh, uh, Roger McNamee, uh, Jaron Lanier, they, they, they see made the their burning money. bush. Yeah. They made their money, they cash Cliff, the check, and then Cliff they see Stoll. the burning bush and find virtue. Yeah. Cliff Stoll, who got out of the business, yes. who wrote a bunch of books that were like that, and then got out of the business and now makes Klein bottles. Uh, we have an interview. He went the right direction. We, I did a, a triangulation with Cliff. Uh, oh, yeah. Cliff, Cliff used to be a regular on uh, Tech TV. He used to come on and do anti-technology screeds. We, I kind of loved the guy. We loved it. I, it was yeah. fun because here we are at Technology Channel and some guy's going, he's saying exactly what Jaron just said. Delete your social media. Yeah. And uh, But we did an interview with him on his Klein bottles. And uh, he he went into his attic, and he had a he has a little robot that goes into his attic oh and fetches the Klein bottle and brings oh it God. out. It was I I can't, it was on triangulation, well worth watching. Cliff That's wrote, of he course, was, the Cuckoo's Nest, which is a very famous book about tracking hackers. Uh, I like Cliff a lot. He's a stranger. Yeah, a, he's a nuts. weirdo. There's yeah. a long long history of people. I mean, you know, writing negative things about technology. Uh, it sells, made John C. Dvorak's career. Are you kidding? <laughs> well, it's also weirdly at the same time. It's like if you're a school district or a state and you want to fund something, you say we're going to buy computers for every kid. If you want to sell a book, you say no kids should be using computers in schools. There's some fundamental right. conflict there. Right. I don't get right.
There was a, there was an exchange on on Mastodon today. A uh, somebody who, who who left Twitter wants to write a book about responsible AI. I'll find this in a second, and is being driven nuts by agents and publishers and trying to write the book. <laughs> and Masnick came in. Masnick and I, you know, have the same experience. Masnick came in and said, "Yeah, I tried to sell a book that was you know positive about the internet," and they all said, "No, nobody wants that." Which was uh-huh. my last book was. Uh, that's what happened. Nobody bought it. Um, I'm going to try again soon. Do people still buy but, books? Really? Yeah, it was a yeah. good year. The pandemic biggest, was a very good year. Yeah, biggest, uh, highest dollar value. The ebook sales have tapered, have leveled off. Oh. Hardcover sales remain strong. Yep. Trade yep. sales are strong. Cuckoo's Egg. Thank yep. you very much, Doug M., for correcting me. That was Cliff's uh, book of some years ago, probably 30 years ago. I, I met one of the guys in Cuckoo's Egg. I was reading it, and I was like, oh, is that you? name redacted and he said oh my god please don't bring that up that ruined my childhood he got oh. he got caught hacking at a young age and redeemed himself was he german was, uh, i thought it was a german uh, hacking group i i shouldn't reveal the details i don't want to ruin okay. his life 30 years later okay <laughs> i mean his name was his name was openly in the book and he hadn't changed his name but uh he was hoping this was before the internet oh my god i just realized this was when i brought this up to him wondering if it was the same person this was before you could search on anything on the internet it was just the early days of alta vista and so for him he's like oh if you don't say anything to anybody no one will ever yeah, connect if you're not me in yahoo you're fine i know and now i'm like oh you're typing <laughs> for a little you're like, oh here's where he was in Cle-, you know uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, poor guy who's that yeah by the way how was your uh, trip to germany with your son i saw all the pictures i really enjoyed it <laughs> Ausgezeichnets. <laughs> it was Each breakfast was the best breakfast you'd ever had to date. Oh, my so. God. The food in Germany was so good. And That's Germany, Austria, it's just to eat. Czechia and, <laughs> uh, and Slovenia. And I met the last letterpress printer in Ljubljana, Slovenia. It was a lovely guy. And um, he's a letterpress printer and stone letter carver. His father was trained on the Dalmatian coast of Croatia as a stone carver. He said, my father had two choices. He could go to the sea or he could learn to carve stones. And he chose to go to the school to <laughs> carve stones. Um, and he's like the last, there's some other letterpress printers in Slovenia, but it's so wild. It's a relatively small country. This guy has a shop in like downtown Ljubljana and he has beautiful work and he has crammed the entire capability of letterpress printing into this tiny workshop he has and he's in there on a weekend working away on some books for somebody um and it's like what is it like to be the last you know in other countries america there's a lot of interest in letterpress there's uh movements there's colleges whatever it's like he can't ignite any interest there so he's kind of the last person in uh in slovenia yeah, maybe uh, uh, glenn was talking about trying to figure out how to, how to do a tour oh yeah to go like, over to slovenia could... for for press nuts like us yeah go there and eat delicious food take the funicular up to the the uh, Ljubljana castle and uh um ride on the river and it's a it's a lovely capital of slovenia top notch you can hear uh, more about this trip if you're a member of club twit <laughs> that's right Ooh, you <laughs> fireside chat that yeah. i hosted with mr glenn I, fleischman just i went to uh that's where you talked a bunch of, i went to every technology museum i could and the german technology museum the deutsche technique museum has a great it's an incredible place you could spend days there and i went to the printing floor of course and uh met a wonderful fellow who was covered in tattoos and piercings. And I was like, I know, I know I'm going to like this guy because yeah. <laughs> if you meet printers are usually either covered in tattoos and piercings or look like me, just absolutely bland in every way. And so, uh, <laughs> we had a great conversation about flong and printing techniques and lithography and the history of things. And he showed me cool stuff and they have an amazing typewriter collection. And I'm like, wait, I know that typewriter and typewriter. It was like a rare 18, 
hundreds thing that was made in Denmark. Anyway, it was speaking it was of time. typewriters. One of the oh. reasons I wanted Glenn to be on today is so we could plug oh. something that he's been helping with. Oh. That you should talk about. You mean right shift now. happens. Oh, shift yes. happens. I have, in fact, right in front of me. I just got today. This is the uh, we did a test print of the uh, of Get the book. Deck. So this is exclusive, exclusive to Twit, Ooh. live on the air. This is um, this is we need. I to can't catch, wait. Adding to machines, to, <laughs> adding machines <laughs> and keyboards and. Beautiful. Oh, I like oh, how this is, uh, this is heaven. This is, is going to be in a slip case. It's going to be a beautiful uh, yeah. volume. This is, uh, and we're using stochastic screening. A mod- it's sort of the modern dithered printing. And you get, let me find the, uh, there is a, there's a linotype in here. There we go. Here's the linotype. Oh, um, that's to my heart. And it's the printing, like I'm an old printing guy where you use halftone dots and you always had to mess with like the angles of things and sizes and whatever. And stochastic screening, it's like super high quality dithering. And so you can resolve the dots are super tiny. And so you can read like the type, like if I showed you a, uh, Oh, I don't know. Like there's a picture of a, of someone typing on a piece of paper and you can read the paper on their, you know, like this is a good example. You know, this looks like a continuous tone photograph because the, there's so much detail in it. And this is a printed offset printed item. So it's still screened, but it's such a high resolution or. Yeah, it does. It's, it's, they use individual. So it's FM screening. It's frequency modulation screening as opposed to amplitude modulation. So the halftone dots are bigger or smaller and these are a a pattern. And when you put the pattern together, you get like, here's, you know, here's a a centerfold for those Mm. of the right age. (laughs) Mm. Spectrum. Anyway, so this is a 32 page preview we're going to be handing out to a select few maybe as a premium but yeah in a month uh, uh Wishery and i are going to launch this thing this. it's his his baby 1200 pages plus another 100 pages in a third volume it's like um you can go to the site and uh shift what's your body that font site. in that that is, uh, oh, you know what's funny? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I wasn't involved in design. Marching did a beautiful job of it. I should know that offhand, and I don't know it's the It's a very lovely serif. Do you know uh, yeah. what software they use to lay it out? It's InDesign, and uh, Marching is a programmer and designer and photographer and, and a lot of other things, and he... Uh, InDesign has a oh. JavaScript programming language built in. It's an old, bad version of JavaScript. So he <laughs> has been wrestling for years, and he can write a new draft of this thing or edit it and hit a button, and over a period of literally hours on a modern Mac, it will relay out the entire book. Wow. It's really beautifully uh, produced, uh, yeah, the way really the function is. keys. Well, Glenn, Glenn was helping him do that. Yeah, it's just beautifully produced. Yeah. Um, wow, I can't wait to see it. I will absolutely This is oh. great. This is gonna, it, yeah. We're going to start this about a month. You can sign up now. Uh, my little promotional thing, thank you, Jeff, is that if you go to this site, if you go to shifthappens.site, uh, you can sign up to get a notification when we launch the Kickstarter in about a month. This is the book I was talking about. We almost bought paper from a printing a paper maker in Germany and then it shipped across the ocean. And it was, it was ridiculous. In the end, we're using a U.S. printer and a domestically produced uh, U.S. paper because it's just so much simpler. And we found a paper we really like. But uh, it was funny. It was like, am I going to fly to like a small town in Germany to talk to paper makers? <laughs> well, and sadly, until uh, recently, a lot of these books were printed in China. That was the that was the go right. to to print these high quality books, Chronicle books, and others. Yeah, yeah. yeah this is beautiful. there's a thing called was it inshoring or something or reshoring is like the, the we were trying to find in, we actually were going to go to press last year and uh, printers in America were overwhelmed and the prices were going up because so many publishers had tried to bring books back yeah and yeah. so uh, they locked up capacity so this year is a little bit easier nice while and we're on this topic we should go to line 89 
Uh, well, we will, uh, and we would if this were a democracy, but it's not. So, <laughs> but but put a pin in it, please. All right, all right, or in my in my eye, whichever. Yeah, fits. no, no. The emperor has spoken. <laughs> Our show today—it's just, like, just like the U.S. House right now. It's not a democracy either. I was thinking that today. Uh, are you saying I'm Kevin McCarthy? Is that uh, yes? Yes. yes oh, thank yes. you very much. We've had holding on to power for dear life. You could be Jim Jordan then. Uh, ooh. ooh, wow. Ooh, that's ooh. A, I did want to show you, Glenn, because uh, I took my son uh, to Germany in, I think it was 2006. Mm-hmm. And here's a picture. I saw your picture uh, at Checkpoint Charlie. Here's a picture of Henry, my son, when he was a little boy at Checkpoint Tank. Charlie. Nice. I, and I made, what I did with Henry is I made him pose. The Brandenburg Gate at the time had a giant diorama. Let me see if I can. Yeah. Oh. Of, of of what it looked like after oh, the wild. war. No. You can yeah. see the actual mm. horses and the gate is just behind this. But there was a giant. So I said, look sad. <laughs> what an actor. What an actor. And, and he's, a, he's a good right actor. There. Yeah, there you go. I, I sent pictures of my wife from Checkpoint Charlie. She had been there. She, my wife was passed through Berlin in 1989 on a long European wow. trip. And I think it was after the word wall had fallen and she got a tiny piece of the wall and later lost it, unfortunately. But uh, so she was there when things were going a little nuts. And um, I showed her some pictures from Checkpoint Charlie today. And I'm like, you cannot take a picture without uh, KFC or McDonald's yeah. or other, yeah. like, yeah. there's, there's no angle. Subway right over his in. shoulder, unfortunately. <laughs> oh. But there's also Snack Charlie, which is, uh, I think Charlie. that's been there forever. I think that's where that's you would good. stop after you crossed over from the Eastern District. Well, I, 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 was, I, was, in, I was in East Germany a couple times. I spent a month oh, there really? trying, to write, trying to write a really was, bad novel that, was, thank God, never got published. When it was still East Germany? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah How no, did I spent, you, I spent why would you Berlin. go there to write a novel? <laughs> Because it was about Berlin. Oh, okay. he's a suffer. It's a suffer for his art. Uh, it was. It was. It's. I, it's. There's. It's. It's up in the closet. When I die, the kids can laugh at it. You know. Oh wow. Um, uh, but I went over, and and the thing is, you'd come back from. This is so capitalistic. You'd come back from East Berlin after you know a day there, and I would be so. I would be grateful to leave Kami Cola behind and find a choice of oh, Coke God. and Pepsi again. Kami Cola was you know? so bad. Yeah. Oh, it was terrible. Yeah. This is uh, Jeff told me when I was there. He said you have to go to Kadeve, which is the uh, oh, what is it? It's like the Kalfaustus uh, Vestens. Yes, right. So it's the it's the shrine it's the, to capitalism. Yes, uh, and you, I went in there and I was. It was like it makes you want to tear the entire world down because it's just all luxury <laughs> brands. Everything encrusted. It was still. But I had a great meal there. It's a wonderful place. The food floor. The food floor. Food floor. Is phenomenal. The food floor. The sixth floor. Sixth floor. See, I don't usually uh, think of uh, Germany and great food in the same uh, sense. It has changed. Changed. Like yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah. Plus, I love Wurst. Yeah, you, you know, have to love sauce. I go to the Wurst stand, and I get a couple of De- cheater in mustard with a little britchen and a beer, and I'm, I'm That's happy. That's actually pretty good. I'm very happy. I, have to I, I did not have any Döner kebab, and I did not have, what's the Wurst you you're supposed to have there? No, I don't know how it happened. The curry verse, curry verse is awful. I didn't have curry verse, so that's I don't. Awful. It's was awful. I really you missed Berlin? nothing. Okay, that's good. <laughs> what I didn't know until I, I haven't been back to Germany since I learned this. I didn't know that Leberkäse, which means liver cheese, is neither liver nor cheese. Ah, which is not either. a bad well, I would thing. Eat it. Uh, honestly, what is it? <laughs> yeah. is it then? Yeah, what is it? It's meat. It's Germany, it's so it's meat. meat. Uh, yeah. Uh. I, I love German food. I, Do you? I, my first experience with German food, I was visiting um, 
an office in Florida and there was a German restaurant nearby. So I went over there on a whim and I walked in and it's a very small little shop and I walked in and there was this flat iron skillet back there just just sizzling and there's this big giant dude, blonde haired dude just flipping something into grease and just going at it and then he's chugging a beer and I was like I'm going to eat here. And it was the best <laughs> meal. Oh, it was so good. You found home. <laughs> uh, all right. Break time. I don't have any ads, which is, oh, uh, is always a sad, sad moment <laughs> on this show. <laughs> uh, but I do have two house ads I want to tell you about. First of all, we're doing our annual survey. We don't track you, but we do like to be able to tell something about our audience to advertisers. Uh, so the survey is what we tell them, and it's actually a very helpful sales tool for us. We don't collect information about you individually. We're not going to ask you for your even for your email or anything like that. Uh, it's all in aggregate. So the address for this year's survey, <laughs> as you could figure if you saw the uh, the, the video, it's twit.tv slash survey 23. This is one year later. Survey 23. We do this every January. You have the month of January to do it, but please do it quickly if you would. That would help us. In fact, if, if we get enough uh, respondents, we don't have to keep talking about this. Um, we'd like to get about ten or 20,000 respondents as a good sample size of our audience. Uh, just, you know, to know a little bit about you. It shouldn't take long. It's, of course, completely optional, but it's very helpful to us. Twit.tv slash survey 23. No salesman will call. Uh, and then the other thing really is uh, something I, near and dear to my heart. And I didn't realize this, but we started Club Twit almost two years ago. It yeah, was April it's been of a couple of years. Yeah, I had no oh, idea. April of twenty twenty. Big announcement. I remember that. Yeah, and it's been growing and growing and growing, and it's daggum awesome to see the growth. We're so happy uh, that you have joined. Those of you who have, and we thank the members of Club Twit for making it possible to do many of the things we do these days. Uh, including, incidentally, uh, the special shows that we do on Club Twit. Um, coming up, we've got Stacy's Book Club. That's coming uh, a week from Thursday. We're going to be doing uh, Andy Weir's Project Hail Mary. I can't wait for that. Uh, mm -hmm. Lisa and I are going to do an Inside Twit on the 19th. So that's uh, that's always fun to hear us talk about what's going on inside Twit. And Wintu Dow, who's one of the hosts of All About Android, will be on February 9th. The dance always putting together fun events. Glenn Fleischman was one of those events. After the <laughs> live event, you can listen on our Twit Plus feed. That's where we also put shows that we do for the club only. Things like Hands On Macintosh with Micah Sargent, Hands On Windows with Paul Therott. This week in space launched in the club. The club members supported it. Once it got big enough, we put it out in public. Uh, we're going to add video to that soon. The Untitled Linux Show, which is uh, Saturdays uh, with Jonathan Bennett. We're going to start adding video to that as well, which is exciting. Um, yeah, I, uh, it, it's a chance for us to, to test stuff that can't support itself yet. The club members get to support it. And you'd think after all that that it's going to be expensive. It's not. It's, it's a buck less than a blue check on Twitter. It's seven bucks a <laughs> month. That's a great deal. You get ad-free versions of all the shows. That means no tracking, no ads, just the show, just the content. You get the Twit Plus feed with special shows we don't put in public. Um, the Giz Fizz is going to be part of that as well. Uh, in fact, the Giz Fizz is coming up. Its first episode is coming up after this show. Dick D. Bartolo's Giz Fizz right after uh, twi Twig uh, con uh, concludes later this afternoon. Uh, all of that, seven bucks a month. Do me a favor. Go to twit.tv slash club twit. Thanks to all of you who've already joined. 
Actually, there's no point in doing that because they're not seeing this because they don't get ads. <laughs> but I, I do thank you anyway in absentia. And, uh, and uh, soon you'll be part of that group, right? Twit.tv slash club. I subscribe myself. We I, gave I'm you here, a complimentary membership. It didn't matter. Thank it's you. It's about being part of the club. It's about doing it, and you all should do it. It really, uh, we're very happy with how it's turned out. And a lot of that's due to Aunt Pruitt, who's our community manager, and has made it interesting and fun. Uh, Try. Yeah. No, I really appreciate it. <laughs> Iridescent Ox in our Discord says, big fan of Club Twit Purple Heart. Uh, I guess that means he was wounded in action at some point during the Club Twit chats. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> kind of a lavender heart, actually. <laughs> okay, lavender is fine. <laughs> I love it. The only thing about the Discord, it is the home of animated GIFs or GIFs. Yes. Oh, yeah. GIFs. GIFs. All uh, the time. You know, it's, it's really it's really quite an entertaining, actually. And every uh, now and then, Joe Esposito makes a meme out of us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Live. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, nice. yeah. All right. What is it? Line 89. Let's it's see. typewriter relevant. That's all. Typewriters. There's a story about typewriter art. No, well, it's just a what? little moment. I love typography. Oh, my gosh. I know. People who do this You have are, to do this on I don't Twitter? Understand them. Okay. Oh, that's really oh, nuts. Oh, it's Instagram. It's, it's from Instagram. It's from Insta? Okay. Yeah. This is nuts. He is using a typewriter to do ASCII art of Ma and Pa Kettle at the barn. This is... If you go to his Instagram, he has tons of them. A wasted life, but oh my god, the work! No, the I work. know it's not. I just American Gothic, but honestly, oh. don't you think of it as mom pot kettle? I mean, who doesn't, right? <laughs> well, I, I, I forgot you're 97 years old because. Uh, <laughs> but, but should I point out that I got the reference instantly too? It. So, yeah. I know, what am I saying? When uh, I say that really seriously. Uh, I guess you're right that that mom pot kettle is probably. It's a like very a 1920s radio show that became like a 1930s movie, movie series. Or yeah, I, I, I didn't know where Leo goes to the YouTube. <laughs> yeah. And shows the kids up. what they missed. Ma and Pa yeah. Kettle was, was a great movie it's pretty series. pretty funny. I loved yeah. it. But then I like Charlie Chan also, which was some white guy oh. pretending to be uh, Chinese and saying, Confucius say, murder oh, lives on roof or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it was a a different, Ver- they say a different time. Oh, Representation. I, I even remember Charlie Chain. The actor was Werner Oland. Or Oland. Is it German? <laughs> I don't know. The guy. The thing I just found out is the guy who played the worst, the major, the worst uh, uh, Nazi in Casablanca was actually one of the greatest anti-Nazi Germans in history. And he used money he got from his salary in Hollywood to fund anti-Nazi causes, anti-fascist causes. Wow. Incredible. But he insisted on playing like the worst Nazis. He didn't want to see them. So he did an incredible job. Oh, that's good. Job. He was a bad, yeah. because he hated Nazis. He wanted to so show them. Yeah, he said, I'll never play one and shows them at all in a good light. And he was Major Strasser, right? Isn't that Major the, Strasser. It's Casablanca. Oh, he was awful. Well, maybe not. Yeah. Anyway, it just I read that just the other day. It came up as anniversary of his death or something. And a one beautiful man married to a Jewish woman refused uh, Goering's or Goebbels uh, no Goering's uh, entreaties about things. Anyway, oh, he wow. risked his life to uh, to perform in some movies that were anti Hitler. Anyway, Was he the incredible. one who said, and you're like, uh, uh, "Why did you come to Casablanca, Rick? I wish uh, came for the waters, but we are in the <laughs> desert." 
I was misinformed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Major Heinrich Strasser, Heinrich the actor's Strasser. name. Yeah. Heinrich Strasser. Conrad Veit. Conrad Veit. V-E-I-D-T. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, An incredible, man. incredible man we yeah. should know more about. I just did not have any idea. And and let's not forget the Swedish-American actor, Warner Oland, <laughs> who played <laughs> Charlie Chan. You could show. Possibly your, more your problematic. <laughs> than- A little more problematic. <sighs> Just if you fast forward a little bit, you can find Peter Sellers playing every race except oh. his own. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's kind of, it's a little sad. It ages very badly. I, very it, badly. And, you know, you're too young, Glenn, and certainly you are, <laughs> Aunt, but, but Jeff and I grew up in that era. Mm-hmm. I I know it's, it's very wrong to say this, but I kind of miss the, all of those bad. Well, Racist. you also sympathize with Elon Musk, so that's, that's the kind of guy you are, you know. <laughs> I, kind of I, miss last show. I still watch that's Blazing that's Saddles and enjoy it immensely. That's good. But you but can't say that didn't... line, though, in public anymore, right? Well, that's at least that's, that is an interesting where you can't say it. It's an interesting debate, though, right? Because that film is... I didn't. Richard Pryor co-wrote the film, and he was supposed uh-huh. to be in it, but they couldn't. Uh-huh. They there was issues with insurance or something to get him cast or the studio. But I mean, so that is... Levon, a, who was it, Levon... Uh, uh, Cleavon Cle- Little. Yeah, Little. he's amazing. Yeah, it's Twoo. It's Twoo. <laughs> yeah, and and well, all right. But this is yeah. It's an interesting question because, I mean, Gone with the Wind is reprehensible too. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's oh, part yeah. of our culture. Yeah. You gotta watch um, a historic, historic, historic context. We're we're just my wife loves Holiday Inn, and she's like, oh yeah. Well, do I? Are we gonna skip over the um? You know the uh, uh, Lincoln's birthday yeah. episode in which everyone puts on black face, yeah. black face. And I think when I was a kid, they'd eliminated the, that, that holiday. They just skipped over it. Even though it's got some plot elements. And then as oh. an adult, I watched it. I thought, what? Wait, what? You, you know, cause it was the oh, very end of minstrelsy being acceptable showboat. in any fashion. Showboat's full of yeah. minstrelsy. Um, yeah. And yet it's part of our history. I don't want to bury it. I think what MGM or Turner did eventually with it was they would put a big disclaimer in front of Gone with the Wind mm-hmm. saying, this is, old history this is not you know this is a terrible thing slavery was not good these people were yeah, not I happy i've seen that on jesus things, actually yeah. as it's rightly so but you shouldn't never watch it right because historically we should know that that film was made and it influenced opinions yeah but you shouldn't watch it uncritically or that's you know, right or, or and you happily. know so you don't want a young person to watch it and think oh that's and oh, that's you ever watch it what did you critically. think aunt do you like gone with the wind <laughs> <laughs> I never watched it. Never, I never had any well, interest in it. Um, I saw bits and pieces of it. The only Gone in the Wind that I enjoyed was Miss Carol Burnett doing her. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. That was actually absolutely much a much hilarious. better. That was actually a much absolutely better. Absolutely hilarious. But uh, <laughs> let's, let's not forget that it was, the f- I think, the first black person to win an Academy Award. Yes. Right? Hattie, um, Hattie mm-hmm. McDaniel, Daniel? who played yeah. the uh, slave. Yeah. Um, who helped uh, helped uh, Miss Scarlet make her dress out of curtains? Out of a curtain, yeah. and of course, Same Carol Burnett. They accidentally <laughs> left the curtain rod in. <laughs> That's right. That's for the, yeah. There's a lot of great cinema, a lot of great black cinema going on in a parallel world, right? At the same time, and mm-hmm. but fortunately, some of that was preserved too. So we get to see what's happening. Where do you where see that? I would love to have see to, that. Is a, there, it's you know, YouTube. This is. I mean, oh, so the, you know, look, don't get me on copyright because I'll get on this. But back a few years ago, right? We just hit the public domain day, and so material from twenty, uh, sorry, nineteen twenty-seven and earlier in the U.S. that was published is now 
completely in the public domain. And uh, back in uh, 2019, 2018, I wrote an article for uh, Smithsonian about the first year of that after a 20-year halt because of the Sonny Bono Act that Disney had promoted. Uh, there was this gap of 20 years before anything entered the public domain. And so one of the things I, that Smithsonian had me do was like, let's talk about the cultural impact. And a lot of uh, a lot of uh, folks I spoke to said the Harlem Renaissance was cut oh, in half. So wow. it started in the 1922, but it didn't really blossom until later in the 20s. So because a lot of the rights were owned by publishing houses that didn't want to publish it or they let it go out of print and they wouldn't allow it or there were a lot of orphaned rights, you didn't know who owned the rights. So the Harlem Renaissance mm. lay kind of fallow and now it's being, I, you know, I haven't seen the real reevaluation you need to for that era, but because some of the stuff did remain in print, we know some of the best works from the time, but some of the stuff is also uh, just now, uh, because it's in the public domain, it's not like, oh, you can share it freely or remix it. It's also, you can literally publish new editions or put PDFs up of these books that were just, you'd have to go to a specific library to get a copy. And same thing with film. We're going to see this incredible explosion of black cinema from the 30s and 40s that was hidden because nobody knows who owns it or the or or print. Someone doesn't want to deal with copyright issues to get it out there. Uh, there's a good article from last year, uh, University of California, public domain expansion uh, last year, highlights of the Harlem Renaissance and modernist yeah. writers in uh, Hathi Trust's newly opened volumes. Yeah, so, so if you ask why why were people unrepresented in, in certain eras in American culture, it's partly because we can't see them easily. It's you have to go law. to a library. Yeah. yeah, you have to go to a library or a film institute to see stuff because and it's just I not in circulation. I think I mentioned this uh, last episode, but uh, the, some of the public domain works that are now available, Bessie Smith's songs, songs by Louis Armstrong. Um, putting on the Ritz. Putting on the Ritz. And yeah, I scream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. And the jazz singer, the totally unproblematic movie, oh, the jazz Lord. singer. Oh, yeah. There's nothing <laughs> Al Jolson in blackface, huh? You ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> oh my God! It's a uh, yeah. Well, wow. it's important we examine these things. <laughs> yeah, oh, I don't want to bury him. It is America still? As long yeah. as they're contextualized. Yeah. Yeah. Learn uh, from. Well, I, I think, I mean, right. I mean, look, not to get too on this, but it's like, it's important to understand how deeply embedded white Americans were in watching min- minstrelsy for such a long period, one of the most popular forms of culture. And I think it explains more about American history than we want to understand as, as white people that this is true and it's all suppressed because yeah. it's unacceptable instead of being studied. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yes. I'll get off my hobby horse now. <laughs> <laughs> Next year, Mickey Mouse. Unless Sonny Bono well, comes back to life. And see, and I thought that was this year. It's so hard to track, though, isn't it? The <laughs> like first, gotta... According to uh, Duke, which does this uh, page every year for Public Domain Day, the first appearances of Mickey and Minnie will enter the public domain next year, January 1st. And this well, is character? Steam, Steamboat Willie, right Steamboat there. Steamboat Willie. Yep. Yeah, but only that depiction. I mean, Winnie the Pooh entered the public domain a year ago. As long and, as he's uh, not wearing a red coat. No, yeah, so we have that. There's a horror film, like a slasher horror film about Winnie the Pooh that's out. But he can't wear, he has to be naked because can't Disney shirt. owns the Winnie the Pooh with the red shirt. That's right. Bambi entered the public domain last year. Good. Uh, Mickey Mouse. Yeah, I mean, so so the question is, I, it was a good, very good New York Times article about Steamboat Willie entering the public domain. Uh, and and as I say this, and Mickey Mouse and minstrelsy is a whole other subject. I swear to God, I'll stop talking about it. Um, anyway, <laughs> the white gloves, it's a... Uh, anyway, so... Um, Do you think Mickey, Mickey Mouse, Mouse was supposed to be blackface? Mickey Mouse is blackface. There's some really good what? academic articles oh about it. Oh, my God. Really? 
the white gloves, the exaggerated Walt was features. was a known it's, racist, that's for sure. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's a whole wow. it's, it's a whole book about it, in fact. It's really eye-opening about, again, American culture. American culture. What do we love? And that's Back what we lose when people. we don't talk about this stuff is how if you if you want to you know get rid of systemic racism you have to recognize it mickey mouse's blackface oh my yeah, god I, at least steam boy willie was it, it's yeah. shifted over the years so the modern depiction less so but if you look there are different eras oh, and there's some but there's some really good geez. academic work on. but but so mickey mouse the question the new york times raised i think in a really solid article about the nuance of Steamboat Willie entering the public domain is uh, Mickey Mouse is trademarked and all of Mickey Mouse's later appearances and everything he said and every character trait is still under copyright from 19, you know, after next year from 1929 on. So Disney may aggressively defend the copyright and be like, oh, you know, we have a trademark. It's you derivative. Can't call it the Mickey yeah, Mouse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this happened with Sherlock Holmes, but the last Sherlock Holmes stories that were copyrighted under U.S. law went into the public domain this January 1st. So now you can write about Sherlock Holmes owning a dog and having human emotions because those appear in the last of the And stories. you mentioned before the show, Jeff, but it's worth re-mentioning that Canada is expanding its copyright term, which is currently life plus 50 to life plus 70. They say it's because of the, of the free trade agreement. They have to yeah. regularize. Uh, but uh, Michael Geist, uh, who is, I think, a very smart uh, and, um, and, yes. and, and, and salient uh, uh, attorney who writes uh, about Canadian law says uh, it is it is a, a massive loss uh, to education uh, and to the public. And one of the one of the odd things about this is that Canada um, cares so deeply about Canadian content. Yeah, and so they've cut off twenty years of Canadian content that could be out there and be used <laughs> more broadly. Yeah, he yeah. says. Uh, uh, the Canadian term extension would cost Canadian education millions of dollars, would delay works entering the public domain for an entire generation, yet yeah, 20 more years. Uh, even worse, the government chose to do so without mitigation measures to reduce the economic cost and cultural harm that comes from Ooh. term extensions. That's, uh, that is unfortunate. Geist has also been covering the, the uh, Canadian versions of the Australian law, right. um, you know, the oh. protectionism. And that stuff and, and copyright it's, it's 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 as bad in Canada as it is in the U.S. Well, and as long as we're talking about racism, let's talk about uh, face recognition, which once again uh, is the culprit oh, in no. arresting uh, a black person who oh. did not commit a crime. Instead of enjoying a late Thanksgiving meal with his mother in Georgia, Randall Reed spent nearly a week in jail in November. Oh my God! Falsely identified as a luxury purse thief. By Louisiana facial authorities using face recognition technologies. This is according to NOLA.com. I'm reading from the article uh, on commondreams.org. Uh, they actually didn't want to disclose the fact that they used face recognition, uh, but they did. And uh, the sad, you know, the really sad story is, is this guy is, you know, he's spent a week in jail and there's no compensation for that. It's wild. Um, he had nothing to do with it. Randall Reed was arrested in the June theft of luxury purses from a Metairie consignment shop, even though he, he, he'd never been to Louisiana. Uh, they pulled him over as he, he drove on Interstate 20 into Cab County, uh, Georgia, headed to Thanksgiving with his mom. 
He said, they told me I had a warrant out of Jefferson Parish. I said, what's Jefferson Parish? I've never been in Louisiana a day in my life. Then they told me it was for theft. So not only have I not been to Louisiana, I also don't steal. He was booked into DeKalb County Jail as a fugitive, not let go until a week later without any apology. Uh, They tacitly admitted the error and rescinded the July warrant. Good. Hope he gets you sue. Yeah. Yeah. Good lawyer. Uh, we've lawyer. talked many times uh, about face recognition. You know, when we came back into the country a couple of days ago, uh, there's a big mm. sign saying, uh, we're going to take your picture now. Uh, but don't worry, we're going to delete it from our databases if you're a U.S. citizen within uh, 12 hours. But you furners, yeah, we're going to keep it forever. forever. And and they even said something. I should have taken a picture, except they would have arrested me. You're not allowed to. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, something like, uh, but don't worry, it'll be safely stored by the uh, federal government. So yeah. hand wavy. Um, so, yeah, they, they're using now face recognition on everybody who comes to the United States. And, and the CPB officer said, OK, ladies first, Lisa, stand in front of the camera, take your picture. And it took my picture. Uh, God knows. Well, I used when I traveled, I used the um, because I I traveled a hell of a lot. So I used all the things I could use. But the global entry. Yeah. Yeah. I went to the machine. Yeah. Took a picture of me every single time. Yeah. Yeah. And they have your iris in. You you specifically did the I I had uh, Nexus, which includes global entry. First time I got to use it. And, uh, you know, I did the picture thing and I walk up and uh, in Montreal to come back the through uh, past near Montreal, and the guy, cousin guy, kind of looks at it like you scan your face. I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay. I was like, oh wow. All right. <laughs> that was a little less. That was nothing. That was that's weird. permission. There you gave him that's permission. Great. Like, yeah. No, no. He he said, did you? He was just asking. He looked at my ID. He looked at me. He's like, did you have your face scanned? I said, yeah. Yep. Like, All right. All right. Come on in. The country. We like, know you're okay. Into the cordon sanitaire. <laughs> Just the whole unintended consequences of this this facial recognition, because when it works, it could work very well to to solve some problems, especially with crime and finding Mm -hmm. the actual right person. Sure. Um, And then you're going to have issues like this where mistakes are going to happen. Um, We I got a message from on a Macedon a while back. I can never remember how to say her name. It's Adriana Langston. Oh, Adriana Langston. Yeah, yeah, Adriana. Yeah, yeah, Adriana yeah. she's Langston. great. Yeah, I really like her. And she shared a story about MetaLogics. Uh, basically, a gentleman decided to come up with a way to help fill in the gaps in the AI where the oh. AI has doesn't have enough data trained far as capturing people that look like me black men people of color that's the problem um, sure but mm-hmm. at the same time you know there's that bit of a panic out there like i don't want my face. yeah do you want to volunteer face? aunt uh, <laughs> right we, we, need, we need more uh come on come on over uh let's take your picture right so 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 where's the balance here i i, I totally support putting more data in there um, but I can't speak for everybody out there. I think that the risk of false positives in a, a case like this is so great that it's just not, it shouldn't be used. And a lot of jurisdictions, including the city of San Francisco, have mm-hmm. basically banned the use of facial recognition by law enforcement. Uh, the, mm-hmm. it, it, law enforcement, there's so many things law enforcement could do to make its job easier. They could put cameras in everybody's houses and, and watch for illegal hey, activities. Hey, what? Wait, wait, what? <laughs> well, they could, and it would and, and it would have a salutary effect on reducing crime. 
But I don't think we want that. So we yeah, really this just to, in. Leo, Leo Laporte advocating for cameras, put in everyone's houses. <laughs> yeah. 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 This just in. Yeah. You know, that TV uh, set should be a two-way street. Uh, oh, wait a minute. You I, saw I, the January, the insurrection thing was fascinating, though, because there was this uh, uh, crowdsourced a motion to identify people who were in pictures from uh, the January 7th insurrection. That was also and, problematic. But, but yeah. It was problematic. But here is the interesting part there versus, say, uh, we took a picture of a random person and we told the all the police everywhere we didn't get tell you didn't tell you where you got the id from and arrest this person right this was uh, a lot of people independently as well as the government uh, agencies are trying to id folks some of the independent folks were using different forms of uh, facial matching and systems and then they would call the fbi or present it the fbi then did the legwork so as far as i can tell um i haven't heard any cases amazingly out of like was almost a thousand people have been charged in various forms and uh so far, and I haven't heard a single case where it was like the FBI went out and they're like, oh, that's not me in that photo. And, and maybe it's happened, but I think there was an enormous amount of deliberative process to winnow down and get the right people and present it in an effective well, way in court as opposed to arrest a bunch of people all at once. And also, there's, let's face it, a long-standing tradition of if you have a picture of somebody committing a crime, <laughs> put it out and say, anybody know this guy? That's right. I mean, that's these right. are it's pictures of people... Right committing a crime uh, and of course you know we've had wanted posters on the walls of post offices for as long as I can remember yeah. so Europeans think we're nuts about that the, yeah. the, the, the yeah. perp when I was in the Daily News I learned about the perp walks right oh. we, you, you, yeah. you know when the perp is going to get walked and in Europe they just they just I remember when when a, a former French official you know was was accused of raping somebody in a hotel in New York and then yeah. the perp walk oh, yeah. and and France that. was just up in arms as they should his be. face as they should be yeah. because this person is 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 uh, uh, accused. They're not convicted. And, There's uh, another argument that says that more transparency and openness in our criminal justice system is important because if you hide who the people are right. and others don't know it, uh, so in Germany, you, you know, they put the black uh, squares against the eyes and they don't reveal names. And, and all of that. So there's there's an opacity to the yeah. criminal system. I mean, we have a tradition of uh, you, you get tried in an open court. Uh, right. People can exactly. go see it. Uh, and I think that that's appropriate as long as everybody understands you're innocent. That, that's guilty. the issue. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Although you got to love when the uh, person with that notorious uh, Twitter account, Libs of TikTok, went on uh, uh, Tucker Carlson, exposed her face for the first time. Yeah. And then immediately people were like, oh, there she is, allegedly. Yeah, well, she, there, there she is, allegedly, one of the January 6th insurrections. They found yeah. her photo. Allegedly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Allegedly. Well, got, got Would you caught. see in the, in the yeah. horrible Idaho case that evidently the way the police tracked <gasps> the uh, accused murderer no. was through DNA and uh, open public... Oh. Um, they didn't have his DNA, genealogy. but they were able to go oh, to genealogy oh. places with See, relatives' DNA Wild. and yep. then cross... And that's not the first time that uh, people no, have been no. arrested that way. Golden State Killer. That's and, right. Uh, that was a big story. Oh, yeah. Huge yeah. Yeah, there's been a but. Well, there was this there was this long running theory that if serial killers never stopped right until they were caught or died or were imprisoned, and it turns out it's not true. And a lot of the DNA stuff is finding people who did terrible acts sometimes 20, 30, 40 years ago, right. and then stop doing them for some you know whatever psychological thing drives them, and they get found. You are one fun sick stuff. Puppy. Sorry, fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> See what happens when we have no commercials. We get very depressed and talk about crime. And Here's some good news from the FBI. Right. Even the FBI says you should use an ad blocker. <laughs> That's Sorry. hysterical. That's great. That's great. Uh, in a pre-holiday public service announcement, the FBI said that cyber criminals are buying ads 
to impersonate legitimate brands like cryptocurrency exchanges, legitimate in air quotes, ads are often placed at the top of search results, but with minimum distinction between the ads and the search results. So one of the recommendations, you might want to install an ad blocker. Cyber criminals impersonating brands using search engine advertisement services to defraud users. There's a headline <laughs> guaranteed to drive <laughs> engagement. Yep. Actually, I'm glad that the FBI has yet to discover link bait. That's probably a good thing. Top. Did any of you get the uh, package tracking uh, phishing? I I got over oh, yeah, the holidays. I got tons of that. Yeah. I, I was expecting a DHL package from which I don't often get DHL stuff. I got an inbox, uh, email inbox thing that says DHL, your package is delayed, and I go, I'll just click. Wait a minute! <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, oh, I've been expecting oh, that. Damn it! And I was like, that's not how you sell so DHL. Easy to, so easy to fall for that stuff. <laughs> so easy, especially. How was it spelled, by the way? Was it? Uh, I'm just kidding. I don't know. The, the, wow. I was kidding because it's a. Day, it didn't have all the logos, but it was full of typos. And then the URL was like DHL yeah. package h seven three nine five. You know, all hidden behind a a nice looking link. Did you see the uh, movie yesterday? The film about uh, I love this movie. Uh, a guy who hits his head in a bicycle accident wakes up in a world in which the Beatles never existed. Realizes I know all the Beatles songs. Starts performing them. As if he wrote them, becomes a huge superstar. Wonderful movie. Uh, maybe you saw the trailer, uh, which featured uh, one Anna de Armas, who everybody loves, as the love interest in this movie. But she was cut out of the release because they decided that, well, that, you know, he shouldn't have a secondary love interest. This is a love story. Uh, but it was. But she was in the uh, trailer. And <clears throat> DeArmas fans have now sued, <laughs> saying wow. it's a deceptive movie trailer. We we went. They filed lawsuit alleging they had rented the movie after seeing uh, DeArmas in the trailer, only to discover she was cut out of the final film. Universal sought to throw out the lawsuit, saying, "Hey, it's, <laughs> movie oh trailers are entitled to broad yeah. protection under the First Amendment." The studios argued the trailer is an artistic, expressive work. And thus should be considered non-commercial speech. The judge said, no, no, the trailer is a commercial, is commercial speech, subject to the California false advertising law and the oh state's unfair gosh. competition law. Uh, you can't, you can't advertise something. But if anybody who goes to movies knows, it happens all the time. There's stuff in the trailer that never yeah, happened. The trailers are better well, or, than the, or, or the quotes. You know, yeah. I used to be, when I was a former TV critic, as you know, and I would say, what a colossal waste of time. And the quote would be colossal, Jeff Jarvis, TV guy. Yeah. I, I know. Yeah. I'm always going to step every time you say that. I know you were a former TV critic because when I was a small child, I used to read you in TV <laughs> guy. I'm getting younger and younger. And Let me time, tell you, Sonny. I was two years old when I was reading you in TV house. <laughs> <laughs> Little uh, drawing of Jeff Jarvis and TV guy. Go, oh, Jeff Jarvis! I'm so excited to see this week's issue. The uh, plaintiffs each paid three dollars and ninety nine cents to rent uh, yesterday on Amazon Prime. By the way, I'm just going to say, even without Anna De Armas, worth the three ninety nine. They're seeking five million dollars as representatives. Is this a, her? Is this her mother and father? Who is this? I don't know. I don't. To get ninety cents back, ninety cents back each. Yeah, three oh nine. So the, the judge has ruled that uh, lawsuit can uh, can go ahead. Uh, I, wow. I just I found that amusing. Uh, but the judge was very careful to say, look, this is only in the case of an actor not, uh, shown in the trailer not appearing in the film. You can't say that that joke didn't appear in the film. That's that's going <laughs> too far. There are some limits. 
<laughs> uh, to this. Now, there was a story, and I think we should report it because uh, for a long time, Jeff, you and I have been defending TikTok. Uh, but there was a story while we were gone uh, that ByteDance, and they admitted this, ByteDance found that employees had obtained the user data of two uh, journalists. They were trying to figure out where leaks were coming from, so they got the location information uh, from the journalists who were using TikTok uh, to see if the leakers, anybody connected uh, to TikTok, spoke to those reporters uh, they were trying to determine if the uh, journalists were within proximity of ByteDance employees. Ooh. Those efforts failed to find any leaks, by the way. Um, ByteDance's general fired. counsel... And employees were and fired. Employees were fired, but they revealed that it happened. Uh, all four employees in the scheme were fired, the company said, correcting an earlier statement that one of the four had resigned. Two of the employees working in China, two in the United States, by the way. Um... Uh, ByteDance says it's restructured restructured its internal audit and risk team and removed any access to U.S. data from that department. But it does <laughs> lend a lot of ammunition to those people saying we got to ban ByteDance. We got to uh, ban yeah. TikTok. What do you think? <sighs> I, I, I thought about the whole banning TikTok story um, last week during bowl week. Uh, college football bowl week as halftime rolled up and uh, ESPN puts up, you know, hey, coming up at halftime, we're going to talk about this and that. And the very top banner, if you look on line 138, uh, it shows uh, it's brought to you by TikTok. And I'm like, how is this even possible considering so much pushback here in the U.S. leadership about TikTok? Uh, it, it was the TikTok halftime report. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've seen a lot of TikTok ads. They've actually ramped up their ad spending in the face of uh, this threat, as they should. Well, okay, so I guess it's the the, the end of the day. Money talks. Sure, That's it's it. an advertiser. It's not illegal. Mm -hmm. uh, it's under you know suspicion. Uh, all, all, all this, all this. I mean, that's a bad story. But the moral panic going on. There you go, Ant, Ant. <laughs> I should have given you a warning. Dang it! Like the, the moral panic. Yeah, quickly put the button. Um, thank you very much. Uh, about, uh, you know, government saying you can't use, a, a, who uses TikTok as part of their job? They got a really boring job. You're watching TikTok. Okay. But B, we're not thinking through the harm here. You know, what is, what is, oh, the Chinese own it. Bad things can happen. That's, it's being, the whole internet is being politicized in this way. Yeah, but Jeff. It takes away expression for people. I understand. We got to look at the other side of this. I agree. Uh, and I don't think banning TikTok is the answer, but there's got to be some controls. By the way, this could have happened from Instagram. It could have happened. But oh, I was say, this, this, this the same type of access could happen with the, the apps that are homegrown here in yeah, the yeah. U.S. And in fact, no, that's why Uber, I said two of the employees the were U.S. based. So it's well, it, I remember Uber and Sarah Lacey. Remember that? Yeah, uh, the God how many mode. years ago? That yeah. that was part yeah. of the thing that almost ended. Uh, that kind of was part of the beginning of the end for for uh, well, at least the head of uh, Uber at the time. Yeah. Yeah, they had that God uh, mode, but they had used they that were many times before. Allegedly, go to track a reporter. They had used yeah. that many times before. For instance, when fighting with the regulators in New York City, mm -hmm. they banned. <laughs> if you asked for a cab for an Uber in New York City, and and they knew who you were, and you were a regulator, <laughs> yeah. they said, eh, I'm "Pick them." Oh, up. or they fed you a different version of the app. Yes, uh, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah. You know, 
cycling back just one second, the facial recognition thing, you know that some lawyers have been banned from uh, venues owned by uh, like Madison Square Garden. We talked about this. Because this is of, a huge oh, story. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. But I was just thinking, this is that combination. It's like facial recognition uh, being banned from a service. With a whole company. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, MSG uh, really overstepped on that. Yeah. We talked but about it's that the, a couple t- weeks ago, yeah. But TikTok, I mean, there's, the, there's a little bit of that interaction. It's like they're tracking or they were ostensibly tracking people where they were. They knew about um, too much information about them based on. Uh, so there's a there is yeah. a solution here. I mean, first of all, uh, your platform, your mobile platform should do as Apple does, uh, should block that kind of thing or at least give you information and give you the opportunity to block that kind of thing. You shouldn't have automatic location tracking without your permission ever. Uh, so uh, I know Apple yeah. does that. Let's hope it's actually Apple's uh, strongly enforcing it. Um, and uh, I, I don't know if Google does that. Google, of course, has been accused of uh, and, and I think properly convicted of doing the same thing, but ignoring the setting and still tracking you. Uh, we've got to do something about that. This, this, your, your location information is important and it, sh- it should be able, you should be able to protect that, I think. Um, of course, one of the reasons, perhaps, uh, that TikTok is being uh, maligned is because, this article from the Wall Street Journal, Google and Meta's advertising dominance fades as TikTok and streamers emerge. <laughs> if they're, they're taking money out of the mouths of uh, those poor uh, so, Googlers. So what do we say about a duopoly, a monopoly, that yeah. nothing can happen? Uh, you know, yeah. yeah. There's competition uh, out there, including, by the way, TikTok. And so you go unintended consequences department, you ban TikTok, you give more power to Google and Facebook. Right. Congratulations. And by the way, if you look at the graph, and this is the Wall Street Journal, which always uh, takes any shot they can at competitors. Uh, If you look at the graph of share of U.S. digital advertising revenue uh, from 2014 through 2023, can you show that? Oh, wait a minute. I have a button. Oops. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, if two people press the button, we're in trouble. Look at this little slice. That TikTok takes compared to the big slice. Oh, yeah, Google down just a little bit there. Oh, TikTok. You can't even, I can't even hover over it. It's so small. 2.5% of the market (laughs) estimated. But Amazon's eBay's Amazon's 12. Amazon's revenue is now bigger than the magazine industry worldwide. Advertising revenue. Advertising revenue. Amazon. You don't even think of them as an advertising department. No. Yeah, it's well, Well, you know, you want to get get a cable that. Short circuits when you buy it. Where do you go? You go to a promoted <laughs> sponsored link on Amazon. Okay, we haven't said anything about Elon Musk. Good. Who? I don't. I don't remember who this. Who is <laughs> yeah. this? Should we just ignore? I him? think this is a shot. This is no. This is a Schadenfreude opportunity. First person in history to lose two hundred billion. <sighs> although that's a mis. Kind of not a, not really true because it was paper money. He never. It's it's. Uh, but still, un, unrealized gains. Is, that's kind of meaningless. It's not like he had $200 billion in his pocket and misplaced it. Has he lost more money for uh, for other people? More oh, money than anybody yes. else has in history for yeah. other people? Because oh, yeah. I was thinking it might be yes. Zuckerberg, because Meta went down 7 or something billion. Oh, but I think maybe, if you look uh, at all of yeah. all of his holdings... Yeah, Tesla's down over 65%. That's like Twitter, million, um, billion. Fidelity slashed their book value on Twitter by half. This we knew was going to come, and it's going to come from the banks, too, who have lent him money, yeah. that they're going to start yep. getting this stuff off the books because they know it's it's a loss. Um, Twitter is not paying its rent now, and Elon has decided not to buy toilet paper 
So <laughs> we've heard that Twitter employees now have to bring their own. You know why? He's installed fiber in all the buildings. <laughs> but, but thank you very much. All these, come on. Where's that rim shot, man? Come on. And, uh, and apparently because, because they're, uh, they're not, uh, they fired the janitors uh, a month ago and nobody will go uh, across the picket lines, uh, Twitter's San Francisco HQ, a hub of stinky smells. <laughs> it's a good headline. Also, Twitter. It's you know the service, the real world, and the analog, the digital alliance. This is from the San Francisco Chronicle. And by the way, Elon, uh, you should never have gotten that Iron Man no. costume uh, because that's no. all we're going to ever see from now on. Um, they have uh, they're without janitorial services for a month. If we cut janitorial services for a month, I can tell you. It oh. would be uh, worse than oh, downtown New York City that. during a garbage strike. Oh, um, the according to the New York Times, the office. No offense, staff. No offense, but yeah, but you were none taken. The office none is taken. in disarray. No, I'm the worst. I throw food in my garbage all the time. The office is in disarray with people packed into more confined spaces. The smell of leftover takeout food and body odor has lingered on the floors. According to four current and former employees, bathrooms have grown dirty. These people <laughs> said remaining workers reportedly bringing their own toilet paper. Um, what's wrong with this guy? I don't feel sorry for him anymore. They've, uh, they've been evicted from my Seattle focus. Seattle, they've they been evicted the from Seattle their office. Seattle. Yep. They're facing eviction, and so yep. they're sort of. It sounds like they're shutting down the office here. Yep. Mr. Laporte, you said you don't feel sorry for him anymore. You felt sorry for him? Don't you remember two episodes ago? (laughs) Two episodes ago. I felt so bad for Elon. Uh, And I kept uh, kept going after him as a result. Oh, man. I honestly... That's good. I mean, look, he's going through something. (laughs) He's a human human. human being. I feel bad for him. He's obviously having... You know, he's upset. There's something wrong in his brain. It's sad. I mean, I feel worse for people who love Twitter and who have lost something very, very valuable. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a terrible shame. But uh, do we have bets on how long he's still in charge of it in terms of the debt thing? Like, is he he's been selling off uh, between selling off Tesla stock after promising not to the uh, decline in Tesla value, the new book value for Twitter, and Mr. Fleischman, only because he can, and no one's going to hold his feet to the fire for us. And no, the banks aren't going to come stuff. after him. You know? Well, wait, wait, wait. Now, here's what I think happens. Oh. Right? The, the equity holders lose. The Saudis lose. But the banks put in $13 billion, yeah. which is about what Twitter is worth. And so at the end of the day, if the, if the debt holders end up out of bankruptcy owning Twitter, oh. it ain't a bad deal for them. How did Alden take over the newspaper industry in the U.S.? Mm. They bought their bad debt. Okay. Meanwhile, Mastodon now is up to 9 million active users. Or users. You account. So I don't think that's active. <laughs> right. You, I don't know if they... Do they have a... Uh, I mean, there's no central anything, so we don't know no. necessarily the... They, the way, this information right, comes but, from scraping. Uh, yeah. I mean, you can go to you can go to twit.social and see how many uh, users we have. I know how many active users we have. That is... Information is available to... Uh, Mastodon administrators, so I don't know. I don't know where they're getting that nine million. What's the proportion likely? Oh, well, uh, you could see right here, uh, and every Mastodon administrator has this this dashboard. We have almost five thousand active. Oh, that's great users, which is 
you know, it's uh, it's up two percent from last week. But if but you know, this is just a week's worth of uh, information. But how many accounts? Um, that information? Yeah, I can tell what you. So that so what was that? Remember that almost five thousand, and the uh, total account number. Uh, that's personal. Let's go to the administrative in- interface and look at the accounts. Oh, I got. I can't remember how to do this. Let's see. I can go to this dashboard here. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll go to click Jake. this button, button here. Yes, Jake's running his own, isn't he? He's running his own, and he's working for Hugo too. Yeah. Oh, he is the yeah. runner, uh, owner of Masto Host. Masto Host. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, it's Mastodon is uh, Mastodon is becoming a lot like uh, the best parts of Twitter, just a little quieter. I love it. It's not even quieter it. in some respects. Uh, well, yeah, no. you're right. It's not. I don't find it as much of a. I mean, I'm following. Well, I'll tell you. The funny thing is, you know, look, I, I have no. I, my social media presence is. You, you got a Glen F. You look down there. There's an at Glen F. There. Oh, that's my old. Well, it's at Glen F. You at, have a lot at of Glen F. Social. Glen F. Everywhere. Realize, yeah. At Glen F. At Twit. Social. I should say. Um. But. Uh, I have, I'm now at like closing on a third of the number of people following me on Mastodon as on Twitter, which is bizarre to me. It means that they're, mm-hmm. I mean, people are finding me or following me or whatever. And it's, it's great. But, um, I, I post something, I toot something on Mastodon that I think is mildly interesting or funny or whatever. And it's like, whoa, like dozens of people, hundreds of people respond. And I'm like, this wasn't happening on Twitter. Yeah. People are a little yeah. more bored. There's less going on. So if you do something, <laughs> yeah, you get at a little more response every feeling- two, but more like an autopilot uh, as far mm-hmm. as social media goes. I, I'm literally just throwing stuff in an automatic queue and walking away. I'm not really checking. You don't see that I when I boost and, you? I boost you all the time. You don't I, notice I, that? I, I can't hurt. say that I've been looking, sir. I'm it's, it's, it just It's just, the, I guess it's a mood I've been in here recently. I just sort of stay, just staying away because uh, oh. it just don't feel right nowadays. It's healthy, though. I signed up for Friendica, too, today. To whom? Friendica, which is their version of the... the it's uh, also Activity, activity pub. pub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, oh, of, okay. And it's, it's pretty nice, uh, actually. So I, I'm friendly Jeff Jarvis there. Yeah, we ran an Identica server for a long time. That was the Twit Army server. So Activity mm-hmm. Pub is, is you know been around since 2007, I think. Uh, almost as old as Twitter. Uh, and there have been a variety of Twitter-like iterations, including Identica, mm-hmm. then StatusNet, uh, and uh, uh, GNU Social is Activity Pub. There's a lot of This is a very rich uh, arena, yeah. actually, as it turns out. Mastodon gets yeah. all the attention. Um, uh, but there's Friendica a lot of sounds like a sorry, Friendica sounds like a very uh, mellow uh, strain of marijuana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm on Friendica right now. It makes me feel good. It makes me happy. <laughs> ah, it's very relaxing. Hey, let's do cool. a quick. Uh, oh, I, one other Mastodon story I should mention. Uh, of course, VCs have now flocked to Mastodon. I was mention that. And yes. the creator of Mastodon, uh, who has so far turned down all offers and says he has no plans on selling out. And he pays himself only, I think, 3,000 euros a month. Yeah. Which is they are a uh, a G G M B H, which I had to look up. So the G G B M H is the G M B H, right? It's the German. It's like a incorp like a, a limited liability company, a corporation. But a G G M B H is a uh, G B M H. Sorry, 
it's it's company with limited liability is the nonprofit version. I was ah. like, oh, I didn't oh. realize that. So it's, it's like a, I think it's is it a public benefit corporation style or is it five hundred one c three or it seems like a slightly different animal. So it's okay. it's it, I don't think there's a direct. I mean, it's nonprofit. I think they uh, have to conform to different rules than a, a corporation does. But it's kind of it seems more similar to like an LLC than a nonprofit company would be in America. A nonprofit organization would be here. So I think they have more flexibility in what they do, but it also they have to conform to to rules that ensure they're not spending money. In, the other in thing that's ways. very good news, uh, and you should keep in mind, is even if Oigen decided, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna cash out and I'm gonna get Mark Andreessen to give me a billion dollars, nobody would care. We would fork. Yeah. it's open source. Right, we'd fork right. it, and we'd just go on and say, have fun, Oigen, take your money and run. Uh, but we will continue to run an open source version of uh, Mastodon uh, without, mm -hmm. and I think there'd be plenty of people who would take it over and, and keep it running, including Hugo, uh, who runs Masto Host. I yeah. think that's, and your, right. your son. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that's a problem. So here's Friendica. So you said you liked it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's it's, it's different. So, um, but you can't see it unless you sign in. Right. Oh, um, uh, you should sign up for it because it, it does have Facebook pieces, right? You can put up photos, oh. media, and, and and so on. I mean, I don't I don't want to confuse people and have when they search for Jeff Jarvis, they you know they 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 follow me there. So I just I'm kind of keep it pretty sparse. Oh, I see. But I wanted to see what it was like, and the only way I could see it was by signing up. Nice. Um, mm. It's nice. I signed up for um, uh, forgetting now what the name of it is. So so I was very egotistical of me now. I follow myself <laughs> twice. That's crazy. Yeah, that's what I had to do with um, oh. Pixel uh, Fed. Pixel Fed. I had to do that. Yeah, yeah. I'm on PixelFed. Uh, Friendica has uh, a lot of servers, actually. There are 238 yes, servers. Not as many as Mastodon, which is up to, I think, 9,000 or something. 123 mm -hmm. English-language servers, um, many of which are actually not in the uh, U.S., um, but it looks like a lot of German uh, uh, hosts. Interesting. This is a yeah. very interesting. I mean, I saw someone post a chart of the federated or the Fediverse. Oh yeah, and it was it's one of those. Diverse. I mean, yeah. when they post, people put those large charts together of like the advertising infra digital advertising infrastructure, and sometimes you're like, I don't even understand what some of these tiers are. Right? There's forty seven thousand companies, and the Fediverse is nowhere near that big, but it's kind of delightful to start seeing these different kinds of aspects of it yes. built out all of with that same i mean i don't know it's i people are very dubious about it because of onboarding and i think onboarding seems to be a problem that will be solved if it reaches a certain point because people will make their own kind of thing probably with paid options that is an easier onboarding process and people yes. will migrate the big head always winds up in the places where things are easier. So you'll have some very, very large instances of everything where they've made a very easy onboarding process and they're charging something to offer tech support and some other limited features. Yeah. Here's so the, here's, uh, here's the many you. branches okay. of the Fediverse that you were talking yeah, that's a great about. Chart. That's the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank yeah. you for finding so that. The, uh, you have WordPress on there. So, so let me, uh, so, yeah. so Tony Stubblebine, who's the, now the CEO of medium, uh, he yeah. came on this last week and oh, said, because they have a medium.social. People said, ooh, what are you going to do? And he said, well, yeah. we're trying to figure this out. Yeah, that's what would you? So I said what I would want is to be able to have an account uh, similarly as to Friendica or PixelFed that my Medium account is on ActivityPub, mm -hmm. but it posts maybe a sample of a post or something like yeah, that. That's people, a good I idea. Can, yeah. I can subscribe to people on Medium. What a great idea. And see when they do something new. 
I love it. So then I brought Kevin Marks into the discussion. Of course, Kevin went on and on and on and on on with 100 things that you should do if you do IndieWeb properly. But it's good to educate them. And so they're trying to figure this out. First, I just saw it has an instance up. Tumblr Tumblr has said, which is, of course, automatic as well. Uh, Matt has always been a supporter of open source and... uh, and uh, and and the Fediverse, Tumblr said they're going to be become part of the Fediverse. So a Tumblr account would be uh, also an activity pub. And uh, WordPress now has a very easy to use plugin. Uh, so you're it's easy if you have a WordPress blog to have it automatically uh, post to uh, the Fediverse. What does it post? With the what you get to limit? choose. I mean, it's it's obviously not the whole thing. Well, I guess it could be the whole thing. I haven't looked. At Some it. instances, yeah. Uh, there's also this sort of uh, validates Manton Reese's uh, philosophy. He started uh, was micro, it micro blog. blog. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was years ago. He was like, people want something that's a blog that's a little like Twitter, and it's not Twitter. And this is this whole new thing. And now, as the world of the Fediverse grows, like, oh, well, microblog is already plugged into it. You can just like subscribe to people's microblog feeds on your Mastodon client or whatever. And it's like, oh, this is neat. This is where you get different parts of these universes linking yeah. up. It was that's- so great to watch Kevin at work. Uh, uh, upholding the standards of the indie web and saying, yeah. this is how you should do this, and this is yeah. how you should do that, and here's why. Manton uh, has always been great. very active as well in the indie web um, yeah. movement. I actually have a microblog uh, account. I've had one ever since day one. Um, it was a Kickstarter, I think. But it, yeah, it's a great, I mean, it's a great idea. Um, it, I, you know, here's some bells I heard in Valencia, Spain. And you put oh. the Put the audio on. I said you just. I said, well, maybe maybe it's not working. But anyway, um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a really, um, it's a nice idea. Here I am, interviewing Bill Atkinson. So I haven't used there's it a some lot. New writer leaf. There's, there's write this, write that. There's 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 just some really simple medium like and, uh, and interfaces would, for writing. I would argue Bob. it's better to use those in something like Post, because Post is owned by uh, Andreessen Horowitz. Basically, yep. and it's yep. central. And um, I see a lot of journalists going there, and I think you're just repeating the same old. Yeah, they're mistake. repeating. Yeah, and I tried to convince Noam on on uh, federating, and he might do it eventually, but but not now. And he argued, you no, know, they're so. centralized. They don't want to. That's yeah. against no. their, you know, uh, their religion. <laughs> yeah. Mike mm-hmm. Masnick wrote a really good piece uh, saying. Have we learned nothing? <laughs> uh, this is, and I think this is one Keeping of the big it real lessons. As usual. Uh, I was on uh, Floss Weekly this morning uh, talking about some of the lessons open source has taught us in 2022. I know, Aunt, you were you were there. Um, yes, sir. And I think there were two big news stories towards the end of the year. But one was uh, the collapse of Twitter. The other is the collapse of LastPass. Uh, mm-hmm. That have, that there's a lesson here that centralized, closed source, proprietary solutions. Uh, aren't guaranteed to, to to serve you, but open source distributed solutions will always serve you. Uh, and so, I really think that there are, there or if are, they don't, you know, you know it, and you, and you move and on. People will know what to do about. Yeah. It. So uh, I agree with Mike Masnick that uh, okay, let's learn the lesson of Twitter. If, if the world would just listen to Mike, things would be a lot. <laughs> um, he's, my, he's got my vote for benign dictator. I yes. totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Mr. Fleischman was talking about the onboarding process, and it got me thinking about you know brands again. And I brought this up a couple of weeks ago, but let's look at someone like the San Francisco 49ers or look at Manchester United. You know, big brands, a gazillion people follow those folks quite passionately on all of the different 
social media platforms. And they decide, you know what, we're going to go to the Fediverse. All right. So how are we going to get those folks from these centralized platforms over to the Fediverse? What, what, what would their strategy be to get people over there? I don't even know. I don't even know where to begin just to get my family to hop off right. these central. So when you're talking to brands, I will tell you the lesson that I learned, which is a related lesson. Um, mm-hmm. When you're a broadcaster, you think in terms of audience, uh-huh. and it's one to many, and you want to build as many people as possible, and certainly the 49ers want to do that, et cetera. And, and of course, that's a natural thing. But I have found, and Twit was the lesson here, that community trumps audience. And the Niners, oh, yeah. Could, yes. and the Niners know this a little bit because of the faithful and the tailgate. But right. they could really double down on community. And and Amen. I think in the long run, that serves any brand better because those people are brand loyal. They're, you know, and I think a lot of brands try to have it both ways. They they go, we've got our, what do they call them? The P1, you know, uh, yeah. brand lovers and we're going to support them and encourage them and send them swag and whatever, maybe the season yep. ticket holders. And then we're, we're going to also use the NFL and have a broad network audience. And maybe that's fine. But for instance, if, if uh, I think the NFL probably shouldn't abandon Twitter or Facebook or anywhere or 49ers, but they should mm-hmm. certainly, it would be very interesting if they created a Mastodon for their super fans. Mm-hmm. They like fans do but- that. The fans do that. They, the fans if you go to Reddit, that. Yeah. there's a yeah. 49ers subreddit. That's that true. is fantastic. That's true. It's yeah. full of memes and fun stuff, and I love it. Yeah, yeah and I think there's a, there's a bunch of opportunities, right? One is just to have a presence, and 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 uh, bring information and bring things to people. Two is to have a community. Uh, I mean, a, a customer service presence, right? I had problems with my mm-hmm. BIOS wasn't working, and right. I and I couldn't get anybody to call. I go on Twitter. Boom, boom, boom. Yep. New Year's Day. Yep. New Year's Day. Somebody comes. Quick. I said, I don't really need a New so Year's Day. I said, no, we're going to do it, right? Depending so customer service. Are, I should say. Then I think the third is, in certain cases, brands like Twit, to do exactly what Leo is doing, which is to share the load of the Fediverse and mm-hmm. create a home for all his fans, like Len Fleischman, mm-hmm. um, is a great and generous thing to do and does, as you know, community manager, Mm-hmm. does more to bring the community together uh, and, and gather around the fire. I think that's an opportunity. For mm-hmm. Twit, it's um, the whole deal. It's mm-hmm. And for any, yeah. pod, any, I think, independent podcaster, that should be the whole deal. Obviously, for the 49ers, it's not. But if your fans are, look at this is the 49ers subreddit. If your fans, mm-hmm. this is not the 49ers. If your <laughs> fans are doing this, uh, support them uh, yeah. and give them a yeah. home. You know, yeah. why is Reddit um, owning this? Why aren't the 49ers owning this, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Set up an instance. Set like, up I wonder instance. who would be the That's first the to do this with, with, with some actual plan, you know, and not just saying, all right, we're, we're on the Fediverse. Here it is. But, you know, actually have some type of execution plan to make it a community. I wonder who would be the first to do that. By the way, one of the great victories of the 49ers subreddit is this young woman who's I think in, she's in Europe, who when oh, when Jimmy Garoppolo, who was our quarterback last year, the rumors were he was going to be traded, and she oh, started yeah. doing a drawing of Jimmy G every day until he gets traded. He wasn't traded; he became yep. our starting quarterback, yep. and then yep. got injured. Day three hundred thirty-six. Every single day, she's been putting up a new drawing. <laughs> 
Amazing. That's not the Niners. That's, that's that what community amazing. does. That's community. Yeah. Yes. That's fantastic. <laughs> and then you see people like uh, George Lucas trying to shut that stuff down. Uh, and you just go, you don't get it. You just you don't, don't get, get it. it. George has, I think, changed his tune, but he used to be oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, horrifically awful. litigious. Mm-hmm. Well, he doesn't own the copyrights anymore, right? Yeah, so it's, it's Disney. Disney, Disney is Disney has an interesting, yeah, different they relationship. Know. Same I think thing they with understand the Par- community, don't yeah. they? Yeah. Paramount, too. Like Paramount and Star Trek was always a, there are a lot, they're like those fan shot Star Trek sequels. And as long as money wasn't exchanging hands, right. Paramount kind of let it so good for you. really sweet. It's good yeah. for you. Uh, one last Twitter yeah. story. One of the last remaining executives from pre-Elon Twitter has left the building yesterday. Um, according to uh, platformer Zoe Schiffer, they've really got the stuff. Uh, ben Nam uh, Reze, who was Twitter's head of product and engineering, worked there since 2017, has walked out the door. So there is now... The acting a- head of HR just walked out too. Uh, mm-hmm. According to Zoe there and platformer, there is now no longer anybody... In power there, who used to work for uh, anybody but Elon. Elon has Crazy. what his goal was obviously from day one is surround yeah. himself with yeah. sycophants. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. Do, you, do you remember when the uh, Trump folks moved to the White House? They were so contemptuous of doing any transition stuff with the outgoing Obama people. They couldn't figure out how to turn the lights on in the room in which the cabinet meets. And I just thought that's kind of where the twi- Musk is like. I just yep. tore out a bunch of servers. Oh my god! From this room, I'm gonna. Hit you know, take an axe to some servers in New Zealand or whatever. You know, how do we flush the toilets of this place? That's right, Katie Marcotte, fire the janitors, who was a ten-year Twitter employee and the acting head of yeah. human resources, yep. also Come left. On. And this is one of the reasons. Uh, this is Casey Newton's tweet. Uh, this is one of the reasons it's going to be hard to figure out who gets paid when. <laughs> oh, no. yeah. And it may Sad. be that they're not paying the rent only because no one knows how to write that check. I don't. You know, it's completely possible. Completely possible. Uh, I wouldn't want to be in HR at Twitter right now, so I don't blame uh, Katie no. for uh, for leaving. All right, that's that's enough of that. But uh, I guess we kind of still have to cover it a little bit. But again, it's it's news. It my is, uh, at, at this point, my attitude is it, it's a lost cause. Uh, what are you going to do? Uh, have fun over there. Yeah, uh, but you but you still use it, Ant, to great uh, effect. I think so. I I will still continue to use it but even like i said a few minutes ago right now i'm just sort of on autopilot just with social media in general yeah um that's regardless right of it being twitter yeah. or, or you know that's it, i'm just sick of some of the it's um, not a pleasant mental stuff yeah. <laughs> that yeah, you have to pleasant. battle with over yeah. there you know it was funny because taylor lawrence uh and you probably saw this uh jeff came over to mastodon and said well journalists are never going to use this if you don't have quote tweets and uh, oh boy! And another feature which actually Mastodon does have, uh, and uh, I responded, "Okay, see ya," because <laughs> my attitude yep. is, you You're don't come in here and say, else. "Well, hey, if you don't have this, I'm leaving." And then she did leave. You know, she's yeah. okay. I, well, all right, but let me let me let me just make an argument back because I've been in the middle of these discussions and I'm going to have an event coming up on Black Twitter, mm-hmm. and um, this is you know I saw. Um, uh, what's his name? Oh hell! The 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 uh, Adam Curry uh, mm-hmm. spoke to that one of the who, who scholars runs, who, who really runs knows. an instance. He has a no agenda. I know wow. he does. Yeah. So he, I saw him live go after uh, Dr. Jonathan Flowers, who's one of the experts on Black Twitter, and um, it, 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 the, the, the discussion about quote tweets 
uh, is not just the affordance itself. The discussion is also about the reception that people have received from certain obnoxious white boy geeks um, on Mastodon. And and that's a lot of the issue, is that, is that both sides... Yes, there's, there's things to respect in how Mastodon did it, but there's also things to respect in a community coming and saying, are you going to value the perspective that we bring? That's not how and she came in. don't... She came in and said... So I'm, not, I'm not talking about that. Journalists are going to leave if you don't do this. And, and that's exactly the wrong way to do it. And by the way, what I realized... Right. And we, I got in a conversation with her. But what I realized is she came with a Twitter mindset that what yeah, you do on these social networks is stir the pot. And she was happy to stir the outrage. And that's exactly what we What happened want. instead, though, there was a really good substantive discussion about the pluses and minuses. Yeah. By the way, Oregon said again today that he has changed his mind consider, yesterday considerably from 2018 and is very and he says we are now discussing good some version of quote yeah, I don't but think that's the way it happens yeah that's the way it's that important you can turn yeah one way or the I, other I mean people but. should have the ability to like there's one of the debates I, I'll say my strategy by the way was when this rage was like one of the second I think John Mastodon was the first thing that filled my timeline it was like <laughs> yeah. it was funny for five minutes goodbye <laughs> and then the quote tweet thing happened I was like oh I have a strategy because there's a lot of good easy granularity on Mastodon I just muted anybody who brought up quote tweets I just muted them for three days yeah. and I waited for the fever to pass totally and then <laughs> yeah. once it had burned out then people were having slower and better conversations about it and I could follow them um, yeah, I, I mean, you, you, you Twitter, uh, Mastodon, you're really much more in control, and it because it is small. Every instance is smaller. Uh, yeah. It never gets overpowering. Um, but I don't think that this, there's an argument about oh, we want to take over for Twitter, or, or we need to have this feature or that feature. That's not necessary. They're just little communities, and uh, I love our little uh, Twit dot social uh, community. But there was a really interesting discussion about about search, and. Um, you know, the, the quote tweets and search are the two things that, that the the originators of Mastodon decided not to have because it would lead to bad behavior. <clears throat> search is technically difficult. There's other, there's actually good reasons That's the other search issue there, is right. not there. Especially in a federated world. Yeah. And so search, I you can, as a Mastodon uh, owner, and I do, turn on Elasticsearch, which allows you to search within our Twit Social instance. Um, and within your own tweet, your own and your own stuff, well. and so that I think is adequate to search the entire Fediverse. Most of the stuff would be yes. very, yeah. very costly. Most of the Fediverse does not exist on my server. The only part of the Fediverse that exists is things people on my server have subscribed right. to. So yeah, you could search that. That's a, by the way, that is a problem with decentralization. For instance, I people can reply to me, and I don't see the reply if I if no one on my server follows them. So there are. Oh. Is that what's happening? There, there are large oh. technical issues. But if you think about it, it's like email. I only have on twit.social stuff that people have fetched. I'm not going out and fetching the entire Fediverse uh, because it's too big. It's too costly. So we only have stuff people have followed. So, yes, if somebody on another server that no one follows responds to you, you're not going to see it. Unless well, you let me ask another them question. Else yeah. Since you always answer my Fediverse questions so brilliantly. Um, I am not an expert. Twitter started. I'll, I'll give you my best answer. But you know a hell of a lot more than I do. Twitter started without search and had to buy it uh, and did. Uh, but even so, the search was never great. And I often used Google to search Twitter. Right. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, for all the architectural reasons you've just gone through, this would not be easy. But if Google is Google, 
Could Google decide, cultural issues aside, protests aside, could there be a way in which they could oh, scrape all of They already Mastodon? are. They are. They, they already are. In your server settings, as somebody who has a, uh, uh, a Mastodon instance, you uh-huh. can allow it to be searched. Uh, or not. And so we know Google does it. And so, yes. So it's, I'm trying to find where it is. I, unfortunately, sometimes it's a little hard to figure out. But there is a, uh, there is a ability to say, no, don't make this. Uh, here it is. Allow unauthenticated uh, access to public timelines. Um, so that's what that means. <laughs> logged out visitors will be able to browse the most recent public. Unless that's turned on, Google can't spider you. Okay. And then mm. I think there are other, other uh, settings. I, as I remember, there are other settings that you can turn on. Well, that's also what comes up on your um, just your, 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 your homepage for unsigned in people. Yeah, if you're not those. logged in, normally uh, you would see that, but some sites say, I don't, I don't want people to come looking for right. content, so we're not going to make that available. That's, I mean, this, look, everybody, who, and, and Glenn, you started to refer to some sites allow 5,000 word posts. Uh, we yes. don't because that's, that's insane. A that's, a blo- that's a blog. That's a, that's a medium blog. essay. Uh, uh, but animal. there's an argument for that. Uh, you know, th- th- you, you can do anything you want with this. It's open source. You can change it any way you yeah. want. I, I think the quote tweet thing, you know, given that I muted everybody, I should have no opinion on this. But it was, it was, it was. I think something that's emerged is uh, talking about again Mastodon and control or Fediverse and control. Is that uh, if there were an option that people could either I don't know, either opt in or opt out, maybe on an instance basis in terms of which is the default from allowing yourself to be quote tweeted, that helps. You know, the, Mastodon has more and better visibility parameters than Twitter ever had in terms of when you post an item, how it gets, you know, indexed or shown to other people. And I think uh, and Twitter, you know, has adopt, adopted some of those before it imploded. Um, but I think the idea that you could say, I don't want this post or I don't want my account to be quote tweeted, if you feel it's contributing to abuse. There you go. Um, that's right. And I and that, suspect there's, that's there's what also debate. will probably do something like that. Yeah, which yeah. should be great. Then you then an entire instance could be like, we are not no enabling. No quote tweets here. Quote tweet yep. right. here. You're going to have to or do. Or an individual you know, user or an individual post. Right. right. I love it. I love it. Why not and then it becomes a choice yeah so if you want to be part of a broader discussion you're a reporter you're a news outlet you're somebody who's a public intellectual like jeff jarvis the craig newmark (laughs) i can't remember the whole thing um then you can you know post things and you want that to be repeated so just Jeff, to show you that you can in fact use google to search an instance i entered in google site colon twit.social and rust and here's a lot of posts from Twitter Russ, social about Russ, Russ never sleeps. Russ Russ never you can only sleeps. do it uh, instance uh, at it by instance. Uh, well, you certainly can do that. Um, it means that it's in the index. So I don't know how highly Randy Wydell's post on Rust. Will- I guess what will happen is when you search for Randy Wydell <laughs> there on you Google go. for any purpose, right. yes. will a Mastodon item come yes. up? Yes, yes. Good, there you Which go. Which I haven't seen yet, but that's small. Yeah, um, it's being indexed, I guess, is the point. And so whatever mm-hmm. happens to stuff that Google indexes, um, let me see if I search Google, if I search uh, for Chief Twit, I'm going to find Elon, unfortunately. Um, no, no, there it goes. It shows my Twitter account. It shows Reuters talking about Elon oh. as Chief Twit. What's um, your button, sir? Uh, I got it here. So so journal.host, Judd yeah. Legume. Uh, is quoting me on Mastodon, and it came up in the first screen load. So, yeah, Google yeah. is searching. Yeah, so that's good news. 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It'll cause some people to scream bloody murder, but I think it's good news. Uh, you can turn it off. That's yeah. the good news. Wow, uh, there's actually as, a lot here. As a Masto administrator, you just turn it off. And then Google. So I just searched Jeff Jarvis Mastodon. By the way, that's true and, for any site. You just put a no robots. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No robots allowed. Yeah. Hacky derm. I think this um, is the beauty of decentralization. World. You get yes. to do what you want. You get to, and if I decide <laughs> I don't like quote tweets because it's really heating up the conversation on Twitter.social, I'll turn it off. And I, I'll but if I don't like you for doing that, I'll leave your server. And you go you anywhere else. Right. You can go somewhere right. else. Yes. Yeah. That seems like the right way to do things. That's the way it used to be before a few big companies dominated this stuff. So Elon Musk did us all a favor. Absolutely. By pointing us back that's to that world. Maybe that's right. his plan. Uh-huh. I think Secretly. it was Jack's plan. Give him kudos for that. No, no. <laughs> Between the two of you, Leo, Leo giving him sympathy and you giving him respect. No, 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 no. No. no, no. no. Uh, I think we should just stop this show right now. Goodbye. Yeah. It's Boom. over. No. All right. I'll let you do picks of the week. Like. And then, and then the hammer will fall. Hey, everybody. Leo Laporte here. I am the founder and one of the hosts at the Twit Podcast Network. I want to talk to you a little bit about what we do here at Twit because I think it's unique. And I think for anybody who is uh, bringing a product or a service to a tech audience, you need to know about what we do here at Twit. We've built an amazing audience of engaged, intelligent, affluent listeners who listen to us and trust us when we recommend a product. Our mission statement is to, is to build a highly engaged community of tech enthusiasts. Wait, already you should be, your ears should be perking up at that because highly engaged is good for you. Tech enthusiasts, if that's who you're looking for, this is the place. We do it by offering them the knowledge they need to understand and use technology in today's world. And I hear from our audience all the time, Part of that knowledge comes from our advertisers. We are very careful. We pick advertisers with great products, great services, with integrity, and introduce them to our audience with authenticity uh, and genuine enthusiasm. And that makes our host red ads different from anything else you can buy. We are literally bringing you to the attention of our audience and giving you a big, fat endorsement. We like to create partnerships with trusted brands, brands who are in it for the long run, long-term partners that want to grow with us. And we have so many great success stories. Tim Broom, who founded IT Pro TV in 2013, started advertising with us on day one, has been with us ever since. He said, quote, we would not be where we are today without the Twit Network. I think the proof is in the pudding. Advertisers like IT Pro TV and Audible that have been with us for more than 10 years. They stick around because their ads work. And honestly, isn't that why you're buying advertising? You get a lot with Twit. We have a very full service attitude. We almost think of it as kind of artisanal uh, advertising, boutique advertising. You'll get a full service continuity team. People who are on the phone with you, who are in touch with you, who support you from with everything from copywriting to graphic design. So you are not alone in this. We embed our ads into the shows. They're not they're not added later. They're part of the shows. In fact, often 
they're such a part of our shows that our other hosts will chime in on the ad saying, yeah, I love that. Or just the other day, <laughs> one of our hosts said, man, I really got to buy that. <laughs> That's an additional benefit to you because you're hearing people, our audience trusts saying, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, we deliver, always over deliver on impressions. So you know you're going to get the impressions you expect. The ads are unique every time. We don't pre-record them and roll them in. We are genuinely doing those ads in the middle of the show. Uh, we'll give you great onboarding services. Ad tech with pod sites that's free for direct clients. Gives you a lot of reporting. Gives you a great idea of how well your ads are working. You'll get courtesy commercials. You actually can take our ads and share them across social media and landing pages. That really extends the reach. There are other free goodies too, including mentions in our weekly newsletter that's sent to thousands of fans engaged fans who really want to see this stuff. We give you bonus ads and social media promotion too. So if you want to be a long-term partner, introduce your product to a savvy, engaged tech audience. Visit twit.tv slash advertise. Check out those testimonials. Mark McCrary is the CEO of Authentic. You probably know him, one of the biggest uh, original podcast advertising companies. We've been with him for 16 years Mark said the feedback from many advertisers over 16 years across a range of product categories, everything from razors to computers, is that if ads and podcasts are going to work for a brand, they're going to work on Twitch shows. I'm very proud of what we do because it's honest, it's got integrity, it's authentic, and it really is a great introduction to our audience of your brand. Our listeners are smart, they're engaged, they're tech-savvy, they're dedicated to our network. And that's one of the reasons we only work with high integrity partners that we've personally and thoroughly vetted. I have absolute approval on everybody. If you've got a great product, I want to hear from you. Elevate your brand by reaching out today at advertise at twit.tv. Break out of the advertising norm. Grow your brand with host red ads on twit.tv. Visit twit.tv slash advertise for more details. Or you can email us advertise at twit.tv. Dot TV if you're ready to launch your campaign now. I can't wait to see your product. So give us a ring. Uh, do you have Mr. Glenn Fleischman, star of stage, screen, and typewriters, a uh, a pick of the week for us? I I did, and then I've forgotten what it was. <laughs> No. Well, that was five guy, hours actually. ago. I don't blame I, you. I, yes. I come back to me and I'll get it for you. First. Okay. Mr. Mr. Uh, what's his name? Jeff Jarvis. Do you have a number? All right. All we right. used well, one of I, well, them already. I, 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 I did. I'm going to also just you. say this. You know, you know people make fun of me on the show for not liking bridges, for being scared of bridges. Oh, I don't make fun of you. Bridges. That's, no, that's wrong. Yeah. The Golden Gate Bridge is in, and I quote, fair condition. Oh. <laughs> fair condition. Yeah. If you were in the hospital in fair condition, you yeah. wouldn't walk over somebody because they kind of, you know, that, no. The Golden Gate Bridge is in fair Condition. I'm not insane, people. But good news, the infrastructure bill has allocated $400 million. Tell to, me what it's done. To retro, nothing yet. <laughs> not it's yet. still in fair condition. But apparently, now actually this should scare you, it has not been retrofitted for earthquake protection. Yeah. So yeah. I think you don't want to be on the bridge if there's an earthquake. Well, although I it survived uh, the 89 quake just fine. The Bay Bridge, I have to say, did not. So, well, did yeah. not. I, yes. I, I will not drive over that. Never again. Never again. Famously. Yeah. I nearly had a heart attack just driving across. My, my I also, in honor of Glenn's presence here, I wanted yeah. to mention, oh. 
I didn't realize how much Google Fonts had grown. I followed somebody on Mastodon who works on Google Fonts. Oh, my Lord, what a resource that is. Oh, wow. It's great. They now coordinate a lot of open source fonts. They're great fonts. Uh, it, it does slow a site down if you use Google Fonts on your site because they have to load from Google, um, which I'm not crazy oh. about. Well, um, you could load them. You can load them you're locally. Cache them. Yeah, I guess yeah, you can cache yeah. them. Yeah, you well, you can, you can download them. They're, uh, I think all the fonts they list are free and... Absolutely. Royal, so you can, you can put them on your own server and link them locally you if go. you want. 1,474 okay. open source font families with APIs for convenient use via CSS and Android. Um, yeah, I've used Google Fonts in the past, and I, re- I really uh, think they're great. I didn't know how much it had grown. And Google has to think about this as an Adobe subscriber, so I have all of it. It's fonts. amazing. Um, uh, but wow, this is nice. Google it? has also spent what well, I don't, they have not released the amount of money, but it is clearly tens of millions of dollars over the last, I think we're up to like nine years with their Noto font project, N-O-T-O, which stands Noto. for not, not Tofu, because you really? get a little, right, yeah, there's a little rectangular box you sometimes get, and people call it Tofu if there's not a character for it, oh. so not Tofu, Noto, uh, and they've been producing <laughs> uh, glyphs for every language in the world represented in Unicode, little by little, and uh, in a uniform character design across all the sets and they said monotype and adobe and independent font factories and um i interviewed people involved years ago and they were like well we found tibetan monks to talk to them about how you turn this uh calligraphic writing into something that would be representative to tibetan readers because there was no consistent single version of tibetan in like a font way it was always written and anyway very you know very interesting stuff and that's all free too i will tie and i want to i want to give a shout out with my pick of the week, real quickly, I'll throw this in. Uh, you know his name, Eric Speakerman, right, uh, Glenn? Yeah. He yeah, is yeah. Oh, yes. One of the great, uh, Seventy just turned 75. He wrote one of the great books on fonts, which anybody who's interested in typefaces should read, just at least for the baseline knowledge. And he's teamed up with Google Design to give away... And I, by the way, I've bought four, two or three copies anyway of this book. I, I give it to people all the time. Stop Stealing Sheep and find out how type works. So you can go and download this. It's a, it, and it, I mean, you should buy the book because it's a book and it's a nice book. But mm. if you're interested without spending any money on learning about fonts and typefaces, this is fantastic. And I know you, you agree, Glenn. And this, thank you, Google, yeah. Google Design, Google Fonts, for making Very this nice available. Yeah, they really did a nice I missed, job. Uh, I was going to get together with Eric in Berlin, where he has a letterpress studio called P98A, of course, for reasons. Uh, I think that's the address. It's at Potsdamer Platz or something. And, uh, but he's out of the country. He was out of Germany. So I did not see his shop on this trip. Yeah, they so, actually, so I was going to say that Glenn has been giving me very kind advice on on the topography for my book. Oh, good. Being a Gutenberg book, I care about this. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've just selected, I'm going to have uh, the Doves font for the headings, which is a magnificent story we talked about before, and Saban, or Saban, I don't know how you're supposed to say it, Glenn, uh, for the body type. Uh, but I've also wanted drop initials and other things. So I was asking Glenn, where do I go, where do I go? And I got all kinds of great advice from folks online. And I've got two choices for the publisher now. And they're letting me do this, which is really kind of cool uh, to have a voice in, in, in the font choices. And at the end of the book, I'm going to have a colophon describing all that. Yay. 
Uh, if you want, I, I don't know that people I'm asking I'm going to have any opinions about typefaces or swashes <laughs> or capitals. That seems impossible to me. If you go to design, design.google, uh, there's a link right there on the front page. Uh, an interview with Eric Speakerman and a link uh, to Google Fonts. Very generous uh, donation of, uh, of uh, fonts. Uh, rather, his book, uh, All About Fonts. Uh, and so you agree it's a good it's a good uh, it's a good way to get started at least in fonts yeah yeah Creative yeah, Commons a, license which is great you can give it to your friends without guilt uh, so good we I don't know I'll give you that pick Glenn if you want to use that for yours <laughs> no I remember I remember you know the guy you can take take Ant first and I'll come, I'll come okay last. Jeff are you done with your uh, pick I'm done okay. I'm done. Well, I could go on if you want me to but no you know. stop just don't go on the Google <laughs> Gate, Golden Gate Bridge it's not upgraded yet. Uh, but when it is, I hope you'll come up and see us because you do need yes. to go over the Golden Gate Bridge to come visit Twit. I think there you could do the Bay Bridge, but you won't do that. Uh, you could I go can take oh, the ferry take the to Sausalito. There you go. Uh, those almost never sink, so I think you're all right. Almost <laughs> never. Actually, the best oh. guys getting flooded right now. Yeah, yeah. Never. The best place to be in an earthquake would be on a ferry, I would think, unless there's a tsunami. Unless there's a tidal uh, wave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. The best place to be is in New Jersey. In New Jersey, in Edminster. Uh, Aunt, your pick of the week. Uh, I had one in here, but we already discussed it. And it was the whole TikTok ad at halftime, but. My actual pick this time will be to watch Coach Prime's docuseries on Amazon if you're an Amazon Prime subscriber. I know you folks don't care about sports, but uh, Deion Sanders, love him or hate him, is a fascinating man. Um, fascinating so he's coach, coach Prime is Deion Sanders? That is correct. Sir. Oh, Deion right. Deion. All right. His story, you know, I... Being a sports fan and following him since I was, a, you know, a team, oh, yeah. he, I've always loved watching him play and watching his story and what he has done um, at Jackson State University, historically black college and university, uh, and now what he's attempting to do at the um, at Colorado University in Boulder. Uh, I know you. Oh, that's had my son. Went. Affinity there. Yeah, that's right. The Buffs. Uh, it's such a it's such a fascinating story, and I hate that he has gotten just as much hate and in, 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 in vitriol as he's gotten the accolades Why? especially from the black community um, because a lot of a lot of folks are saying he quote sold out by leaving Jackson State huh. to, to take the job oh. in Colorado when this dude had a gazillion dollars already he's not there for the paycheck yeah I was going to say you going know. to Jackson State is uh, you know he could probably probably work in the front office of any football NFL team is a big he, deal. That's a great he, donation. That's a contribution. Right. Yeah. He, he did a lot for that university in the, in the, the, the athletic programs there, as well as a lot for the HBCUs and the conference there. Uh, just put a, a lot more positive attention on those schools. Hopefully they'll be able to get more money and, and, and make things better with uh, facilities and so forth. And the next challenge was to go to a Power 5 school and try to build a winning football team there. That's not selling out. That's just someone that's taking another challenge as well as uh, taking an opportunity to help uh, uh, enrich some young men and women's lives in the, in the world of football. You know, my son and I, we've been watching this journey, and he and I have talked about it, and I've told him straight up, I said, man, if you ever get the opportunity to learn from someone <laughs> like Deion Sanders. I'm all for it. 
You know, so why would I hate on him and seeing what he's done in his past? Uh, yeah, he's got some some funny, crazy stories, but <laughs> from a success standpoint, everywhere he's been, it's been a success. It seems yeah, appropriate so. that primetime should be on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. <laughs> you know, uh, he, love he had ESPN showing up at, at um, Jackson State University to do their college game day yeah. show on Saturday yeah, mornings. That's a go. big freaking deal. Yeah. And he said, he's like, y'all, y'all not here for Jackson State. You're here because I'm here and I asked you to come here because I need you to see this. You know, it's, I get it. Uh, and also a top 10 view on Amazon Prime, so you're not alone in uh, watching it. I can't wait to watch it. Uh, You know, he was a Niner and uh, Lisa probably, as soon as I say this, will be watching it tonight. So so that's good. Thank you for sharing that. I didn't know about it. That's great. That's great. And and lastly, it's the beginning of the year, so it should be be mentioned. You know, I know a lot of you Twit listeners check out Wikipedia. Make sure you donate. Give them two bucks. Hell yeah. Five bucks. Something. So go ahead and donate to Wikipedia. Um, Single best example of, of what uh, decentralization and uh, community can do is Wikipedia. I mean, one of the best things on the Internet. It's fantastic. And yeah. I donate every month uh, because it's uh, we use it so much. Yeah. I feel like I'd be uh, it'd be awful of me not to give them, give them a little right. something every month. Yeah. Right. Good. Good advice. Wikipedia. They don't have uh, they don't have the uh, the uh, the handout uh, this month. They did last month. So, but you can still donate, and I yeah, it's, just it's go to, on there somewhere. Just go to contributions or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's user contributions. I don't know. It is such a great site. Oh, I love it. In fact, a good place to go for news, by the way, if you go to the front page. Um, <laughs> believe it or not, they do an excellent job covering the news. <clears throat> uh, do you remember now? Glenn? I remember. It's were a you, great story. Uh, are you now, or were you ever a member? Of the Communist Party, it was. It was. Uh, the answer is I refuse to answer on the grounds that it may incriminate me. Have you uh, no shame, ro- Mister Fleischman? Okay, sorry. Uh, re- uh, co- uh, re- representative elect, as all as we record this, representatives of the House of Representatives are elect because they have not yet been sworn in. Because as we record this, only six votes have been taken for the Speaker's <laughs> chair. It uh, may be 100 by the time you, if you're not watching live, by the time this goes out. Uh, so Robert Garcia, a very lovely person, it sounds like. Uh, story went around a couple days ago. He was going to be sworn in. They showed a stack of things that people would be sworn in on. Bibles, family Bibles. Uh, there might be a Quran in there. There has been years oh, past. Other things. Superman yeah. issue number one. Not action what? comics, but Superman. And people are like, oh, who is there? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Oh, that seems I don't, seems a little trivial, and then you're like, oh, well, it was borrowed from the Library of Congress, which Congre- Congress people have direct access to borrow things. Oh, well, that sounds whatever. Then the whole story comes out, and it's oh my god, it's a lovely, lovely story. He's a Democrat out of California. He uh, was mayor of Long Beach, and uh, both of his parents, his father or stepfather, and his mother died due to COVID early in the COVID pandemic, and so he's being oh. sworn in. He he's a gay man. He's married gay man, not to be mistaken with another married gay man who has made up some of his history about being an immigrant uh, and so forth. George. So, so this guy is Robert Garcia. Don't get confused. Uh, he's an uh, immigrated from Peru when he was five years old. And so he's he is swearing in on 
Superman issue number one because it was so important to him to oh. see someone as a child who is an immigrant with a sense of justice who had a secret identity. He thought great? it was because he was uh, because he was gay and he wasn't out when he was a kid, right? And he's his, his uh, citizenship certificate and a picture of his mother and stepfather. It is. And you're like, oh, okay, this is a beautiful story. It is traditional for the Library of Congress to loan out. Uh, Articles to be sworn in on. Usually they ah, figure okay. it's going to be a Bible or a Koran, <laughs> uh, but they lent out the Superman. And uh, as we should point out, in Article 4 of the U.S. Constitution says, no religious test shall ever be required as a qualification to any office or public trust under the United States. Thank you very much. Mm. Um, good. Although good luck getting elected president if you don't have at least profess yeah. a belief. If you're uh, not six feet tall, yeah, and you don't have a religion. Uh, so this is not the super famous one. I once, when I was a kid, I saw Action Comics number one because the comic book store owner in my hometown of Eugene, Oregon, had just bought it for some crazy oh, wow. amount of money in oh, the wow. '80s. And I went to the store, and he was standing there, and some other people around, and they were like, "Can we look at it?" He's like, "Sure." He pulls out a briefcase, <gasps> silver briefcase. Oh my god! Click, click, click. Opens it up. Doesn't let us, you know, touch Can't it. Touch obviously. It. Wow. But we're like, "Oh, there it is." Well, okay. So this is Superman number one which came out apparently a year later and is only worth like action comics is worth millions of dollars and this is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars so it's not quite as valuable but also but a very rare and uh delightful part of americana and to remind people that superman was invented by two jewish kids from new york who uh had much of their credit and money stolen from them but after a multi-decade rights and copyright and other battle their estates finally got some justice joe schuster and Jerry Siegel. And uh, Siegel, yeah, Siegel and yeah, Schuster. Yeah, couple, a couple of Jewish kids, a couple of nice. Jewish kids. And that's where uh, Michael Chabon wrote, uh, there's a book called... Oh, uh, I love that book. Cavalier and Clay, right? Yes. That's that's a little bit of a takeoff of that story. Yeah. Uh, I love Chabon. Uh, well, I hope Representative Garcia Garcia got to touch it as he got sworn in on it. But, <laughs> he, uh, I he also hasn't hope been sworn he, in yet. He, he, he'll wear white gloves or at least there. wash his hands and <laughs> no, hover nobody's, over the surface. Leo, by the time you record, what is this, episode 697? Maybe by episode 800 or 900. You mean they the can't swear in a new Congress until nope. they figure nope. out who the speaker they is? They can't get paid. Mm -hmm. They can't do anything. Nope. Nobody is technically in the House at the moment. The Senate works differently. You have to have a speaker. First order of business. They cannot do anything else until oh, it's resolved. my God. Oh, my God. They're it's voting well. to adjourn right now as we close the show. Oh, they're not done. They're we're six gonna, yeah, we're votes. Gonna, as we we're going to adjourn after the House adjourns. But, oh, but that's, that's right. right. But somebody on Mastodon, <laughs> somebody on Mastodon said, I think the stock, Orville Redenbacher stock should go grow up, go up as people yeah. buy more popcorn <laughs> to watch this uh, happen uh, roll in the Senate. Wow. I've got a big vat of <laughs> schadenfreude in my basement. It just yeah. keeps getting more yeah. and more full. Yeah. Do you want a little, a little George Santos humor there on the rundown to close it out? Oh, sure. Why not? Uh, uh, line 90. Is he your uh, member of Congress? No. No. No, it's Long no, Island. It's Long, I Long Island. Yeah. Long Island. Which nobody says, by the way. But go I know. Nobody says Long Island? No. I grew up saying Long they Island. Say, I grew up there. Oh, they, say, right. they say New Haven, though. So there you go. All by myself. <laughs> Here he. There were pictures of him yesterday oh sitting in the house because nobody wanted to come next to a stand next to him for fear that they would somehow be associated with this uh, guy who apparently lied about everything and is in oh. fact wanted in Brazil for bouncing a it's, for faking it's, a check. 
My my children, unfortunately, as Mastodon has grown, my children have become obsessed with Twitter, and they tell me all of these stories from Twitter all the time. Oh, boy. One of them is that allegedly there's an issue about Santos's. Uh, uh, immigration process. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so he might not my even God. be qualified. To serve, but until he's sworn in, Congress, yeah. Congress but there is no mechanism sit. for uh, removing him. So anyway, here well, he is. Until here he is singing, uh, singing a song. I have a feeling this is apocryphal. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing what computers can do these days, isn't it? Deep fake. <laughs> very nice. That's really quite well done. It is. That lip sync is excellent. Made with Revive. It's really, really good. Wow. wow. I, I want to know how they do that. Hey, hey, well, look at the eyebrows, sir. Yeah. At some point, too. Imagine what you can do with clips from uh, the Twitch shows. Yeah, so at some point, you won't have to record this anymore, Leo. You just oh, that's and, I, uh, I'm waiting for that day. Yeah. <laughs> it that? I'm He's waiting. been talking no about Jarvis. it for three years. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I realized, actually, in all sincerity, that uh, I have no friends aside from the you guys. So... <laughs> <laughs> So I'd be all by myself if I uh, if I didn't do this show. Yeah, yeah, you guys are my best buds. So uh, thank you, thank you uh, for keeping me company. It's really actually why I started Twit in the early days was I wanted to talk to all the people I worked with at Tech TV, and so it was an excuse to get them together. And uh, honestly, this is my entire social life. So (laughs) I guess I'll keep doing it for a while unless I want to start singing all by myself. Uh, thank you, Glenn Fleischman, for filling in for Stacey. She'll Yay, be back next Glenn. week. It is always pleasure. a pleasure to see you. Uh, always much fun at glenn.fun. Um, anything That's you want to, you're on many a podcast. I know you do a lot of stuff with The Incomparable. Um, yeah, you, we just uh, we recorded our best of 2022 episode, apparently in 2023. You know, that's how things go sometimes. But uh, it'd be like that. Yeah. yeah. You're the, the uh, Mac 911 uh, columnist uh, at Macworld Magazine. A lot of fun. Uh, a lot of fun. You created 100 Tiny Type, the 100 Tiny Type Museum in Time Capsules and wrote and published the book Six Centuries of Type and Printing. And everybody should go to uh, the news site. Say it again. Sheet happens, shift happens. No, shift. Shift. Yeah. I know we're a little, little worried about that F. It's shift happens. Shift dot happens site. Dot site. Dot site. Uh, and, and you it's can, a beautiful. There's a 3D interactive book you can look at. Yeah, so this is really, not my. Who did this? This is really this well is, done. Marcin Wishery, yeah. the author of this book. So I'm the midwife. He's the author. He's giving birth to this 10 pound baby. Uh, actually, pretty good, right? Mike? It's a pretty good sized baby. Actually, I want. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. He designed this whole, he used some libraries and put this all together. But the site, there's a game. If you want to figure out how well you know a keyboard, he built a game on the site. You can drag as a timed process where you drag keys onto a Mac layout or a PC layout to see how much you remember from memory. So it's just, and he, oh my God, he puts, this is eight years of his life so far. Um, and it's great. It's really well written. It's very entertaining. You'll find the stories about Alger Hiss in it and uh, wow. a Nobel Prize winning physicist who became the guy who was one of the developers of the concepts behind lasers became obsessed with creating a laser powered typewriter eraser. <laughs> Not kidding. Not kidding. The Late edition of the book, he had a way to revise a chapter because Marcin's like, I have this has to go in. You will also learn the true identity of Mavis Beacon. So there Mavis you go. Beacon. It's very it's a very yeah. interesting story. Um yes it is. Wow, this is great. A story of the photo on page six hundred eighty eight. Yeah. That's a basic program? No, it's a yeah. It's 
four trainers. This goes back. This is uh, even before that. It's uh, it's it's been fun because Marcin's been hunting people down at one to, for wow. photo rights and things. And at one point, he was trying to find the keyboard that was developed that had the most keys on it, and he had some candidates. I forget which one. I think there might be one in a Polish. He's originally from Poland. There might be one in a museum uh, there. But he would at one point he's like, I'd like to use this different photo that was taken of this physicist, but he's dead. I'm like, what if you contacted this fellow who is his friend? So he contacts this guy who's also in his 70s but still alive, another Nobel Prize winner. He's like, oh, why don't you, here's how you reach his daughter. And the daughter's like, sure, you can use a picture of my dad. I mean, it's that kind of journey. <laughs> You're like, the amount oh, of just, work on the photo clearance of this thing must have been yeah, awful. He's Ooh. done He's done it all. This is, um, like I said, I've been the editor. I'm the crowdsource, uh, crowdfunding uh, manager, working on uh, the nice. printing side of it. And he's it's his big old baby. And this is hard. I uh, Where the hell does the end go? I can't... Uh, Oh, you're trying to figure out the uh, keyboard? Yeah. It's a timed. Where does. I'm losing. I'm losing. Without looking at your keyboard. Wow. Uh, Q W E R. In your head, start typing now. Oh, my God. I have no idea where the end is. There it is. He also found a a, a great study. He presents a study in the book which explains that the reason that we use QWERTY is not any of the reasons that have been uh, mentioned. It's that when uh, Scholes, the inventor of the first typewriter that went into production, an early prototype, QWERTY was the best design for key bars not to hit each other. So that was a typewriter that hasn't existed except in prototype for 150 years. So that's not an apocryphal story, though. I like that. Yeah, Yeah. he he did it. He created it, but there's no reason. You can type typewriter on the home keys, right? That was one thing. You only need the top row. And all these stories have been invented or it's was supposed to slow you down not at all he invented a keyboard there the type bars didn't hit each other and then that was a prototype and the keyboard layout remained but not uh not the keyboard that was Where's back B? in the days we had a type blind you're you actually typing you without which seeing letters i, I don't mm-hmm. use i never use <laughs> so it's uh, you know all the I, where the l is what is that is that a capital p oh i guess it is uh, God, I have no Not idea. There. Where P Not is. There. Do you know where the P Not is? There either. I have Not no there. idea. It's on your right pinky. You're right. Pinky. I'm not supposed to look at that. <laughs> this, is uh, this is great, but you can type. How fast do you type? You probably type like 70, 90 type. words a minute. Exactly. Yeah. I can so, type, but you don't know. Your brain doesn't have. No, it. my brain doesn't uh, know. Yeah. For the people at home, type the word stewardesses if you're a touch typer and see what your fingers do. Just type oh, that. No, it, f- I, I know. I can't spell it right, so I'm it, done. It's all. It's, or <laughs> it's all in the same area. Also. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's four, all four fingers. There's words. There's actually there's some in the book, but there's there's words that you can type with left or right hand only. Stewardesses is really hard. Your finger, if you type it three times, your hand will cramp up. Yeah, because it's all you're, the left hand, hand and it's just yeah. right there. You're like, yeah. oh, it's like, yeah. oh. I used to type stuff for a magazine called Cascades Magazine, and I would be typing Cascades, Cascades, and my hand would go, oh, you can't type the word anymore. Wow. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you so much, Glenn. Jeff Jarvis (laughs) is the one and only Leonard Town Professor for Journalistic Innovation at the Craig Newmark. Craigslist School of Journalism at the City University of New York. Let's just pick one at random here. Lives in tomato fields. He lived. He's trapped in the jungle gym of life. He's a disaster in the grocery store. And uh, pizza menu cover boy, which is hand, <laughs> handwritten. In I thought of somebody else who hated me the other day. To add, I can't remember who Nickel it was. Millionaire, <laughs> Ray so Kroc, Frank Sinatra <laughs> called him a bum. It's all here. <laughs> Those are the classics. It's all here. Thank oh, you, Jeff. Ant Pruitt, twit.tv slash hop, hands on photography. When is uh, What's the next uh, hop? 
your first top of the year. Ah, uh, the first one of the year. We're going to take a look at some creative product photography. So stay tuned for that. Grab and we want to get your you random product and get ready to shoot. We want to get you answering some photographic questions on our new show, Ask the Tech Guys, which debuts Micah Sargent and I, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Good this stuff. Sunday. And we're going to bring in as many contributors from uh, Twit as we can to answer questions. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I'll find, a, I'll find a good question for you and I'll send it to you. And uh, you can either join us live or I'm just telling people records, you know, get out your phone and record the answer. That's cool. Yeah, it's going to be f- I cannot wait. You got it. Yeah. You got any letter type questions? Letter I can probably do it. I, if I, the next time uh, a typeface question... Variable fonts, good or bad. Next time that comes up, <laughs> I, will, I will get you guys on. What's a flong? What's uh, oh, a flong with you? I think we're going to be kind of topical uh, this week, and I'm going to show you how to move off LastPass onto another <laughs> password. Oh, manager. doctor. Yeah. That's a good one. Oh, doctor. Can I ask you an uncomfortable Let's... question, Leo? Oh, sure. If LastPass were still the studio sponsor, would all this Oh, no, broke? they wouldn't be. And I can tell you why. They came back to us uh, not so long ago, and oh. uh, we, we, we turned them down. Wow. Mm. Wow. Uh, wow. And, the, and, the, and it's really simple. Um, when they were our studio sponsor, they really were the best thing out there. Yeah, they were. Uh, and you Steve had vetted yeah, them, and I had Steve every, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had every uh, reason to trust Steve's uh, opinion. Uh, I was using it myself. We still use LastPass Enterprise. Uh, I was very happy when Bitwarden uh, approached us because I had already moved off LastPass to Bitwarden because um, yeah. uh, it's open source and I'm a big fan. And this is, again, another that lesson of centralized is not as good as decentralized. Open is better than proprietary or closed. And so I had already moved to Bitwarden, so I was thrilled. Uh, unfortunately, as an open source project, they don't have much money to spend on advertising. But... Whereas LastPass <laughs> had plenty. But, yeah. you know, this is why you got to join Club Twit. Uh, <laughs> please and thank you. Please and thank you. Um, yeah, it's a, it, of course we wouldn't do it now. Absolutely not. Uh, and you know why? The other reason I wouldn't do it? Not because, frankly, I think it's probably better to use LastPass than no password manager, right? And, and, it, and there's no reason to think that if you use LastPass today, you would somehow be at risk. But... The main reason we wouldn't do it is because we'd lose the trust of our audience. And yes. our, our advertisements have no value if if the audience can't trust that when I say something's good, it's it's uh, it's good. Amen so to that. that. Would de- it would devalue our company uh, too much. So Thank you for that. We are, that which is all, also why you join the damned club. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he turns away people to protect you. Oh, we do it more often than I, sh- I, I should. <laughs> I'm very glad. You know, we, we had one crypto advertiser, which was a mistake in hindsight, but it really was for a credit card that yeah. paid rewards for crypto. It was BlockFi. And uh, and I said, you know, I'm really uncomfortable. Let's not do that. Uh, e-cigarettes we've turned down. Gambling. Oh, boy. I think we probably could have made a lot of money with, uh, you know, betting apps. I bet. But I just, uh, there's some things I'm just not comfortable with. And thank God oh, Lisa, uh, Lisa has, doesn't overrule me. She says, yeah. you know, okay. Well, what about those ads for pure, uncut, Everclear? I, I, feel those I love are it. A little on the. I don't mind. I don't mind. Edge. You know, I, I've actually thought about this. Uh, 
at one point, I think we there were we did wine ads for a long time. Oh, wine, yep. wine clubs and stuff. Uh, yeah. We had a beer. Remember that we had a a beer uh, thing that you could like. It was a little kegerator. Was a little kegerator. USB, was it USB oh, run? Cool. No, no. But the idea That's was fun. that you would join a club and they'd send you a little. Uh, oh. Little, you know, keg- little kegerator thing. Well, that's cute. What, what they call Classic it? Don John? Thing. What are they? A little thing of, of beer. <laughs> a pony? It was before my time, but pony. I remember seeing this sponsor on the show. Yeah, yeah that's great. And there are a lot of people, somebody in the chat room saying, well, don't forget you accepted manscaping. I still use manscaped. There's nothing yeah. wrong. <laughs> we don't, we don't want to know. There's nothing wrong with keeping you your, uh, your body uh, sleek. For the swimming. That's why. <laughs> hey, if I advertise it, I use it, man. <laughs> when, when you got hair in your pit, turn to twit. Um, that's a slogan we will not be using. Thank you, Glenn. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Aunt. We do twit every uh, Wednesday afternoon. You see, it's when we get together with friends that we have the most fun. Uh, I hope you'll join us every uh, Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2200 UTC. You can watch or listen live at live.twit.tv. Chat with us at irc.twit.tv. Open to all. Uh, and if you're a Club Twit member, of course, you have your own special private chat where uh, your feet will be massaged and, uh, <laughs> and you will be taken care of with a fine cocktail uh, in the Discord. By Ant himself. Ant will uh, make you a little be... something. Uh, and then, yes, I'm keeping talking so we get to the three-hour mark. It's very important. We have every show. Uh, <laughs> go, go to the point where you actually have to run to the bathroom. Oh, yeah, we got the Gizfiz coming up. Uh, get your on-demand shows at twit.tv slash twig. Subscribe in your favorite podcaster uh, application. Uh, there is, in fact, a YouTube channel dedicated to the show, believe it or not. Uh, all of that, usual, you know, thank you uh, for your support. And we will see you next time on This Week in Google. Now, stay tuned. The first Giz Fizz for a Wednesday evening is coming up next. It's Fizz time as soon as I do all the business stuff. The world is changing rapidly. So rapidly, in fact, that it's hard to keep up. That's why Micah Sargent and I, Jason Howell, talk with the people making and breaking the tech news on Tech News Weekly every Thursday. They know these stories better than anyone. So why not get them to talk about it in their own words? Subscribe to Tech News Weekly and you won't miss a beat every Thursday at twit.tv.